This is the end Beautiful friend This is the end My only friend The end Of our elaborate plans The end Yes this is indeed the end. Episode 211 and Mid-South Moments, the final. Now what we've got in store for you today is a lovely look back over some of the greatest moments in podcast history. Well, actually, perhaps you'll be the judge of whether they're the greatest moments or not after two hours of listening to them. And then we've got a watch along of the final UWF episode. Uh, And it's not without a heavy heart that I bring you this last episode. As a look behind the curtain, for the last few months, I have tried and I have tried and I have failed. I have failed miserably to bring you all a new UWF interview. So obviously we've had Ricky Morton on the podcast a couple of times. We've had Eric Watts a few times and we had obviously Bill Watts, the the, the kind of what has to be the greatest moment in the history of the podcast. Um, you name it, if they were involved in this promotion at any point towards the back end, I've, tr- I've got in touch with them, I've tried, I've sent emails, I've contacted agents, I've done everything I possibly could do to get this on for this show and I failed and I'm gutted about that I'm really really gutted what I think we've got in store for you is still really really excellent um, but yeah I, I wanted to, to show you all a bit of a look behind the curtain there because it's not for the want of trying and funnily enough the person that actually came closest to appearing on the show is everyone's favourite uncle yep everyone's favourite uncle you know who I'm talking about who was, who was really good in emails responded a lot but we could never get a date and time committed to it was a bit like meeting your dream girl or boy on a night out and swapping numbers and exchanging pleasantries but you never quite got to that elusive first date but anyway though that's the life i suppose of you know a, a kind of small time podcaster daring to dream in terms of making this uh, last episode as perfect as possible but as i said what you've got in store coming up over the next probably three hours i think will be really excellent i'm really proud of what we've done so strap yourselves in if you're in a car obviously follow health and safety at all times if you're not in a car then don't strap yourself in and enjoy what's to come First up, we covered it on January the 19th, 2020, and it aired on January the 21st, 1984. This was the introduction to the Rock and Roll Express. And now, set to Joan Jett's I Love Rock and Roll, is a video package on the Rock and Roll Express. So I'm just going to read this exactly as I typed it as I was watching this for the very first time. So this starts with both men at a jukebox before they look at the camera, then looking smug leaning on a sports car, then close-ups of them nodding next to the jukebox, then lounging on the car before some shots of them in in in-ring action. The car is a Trans Am, I believe. Could be wrong. Back to slightly menacing zoom-ins of them with the car. Now the car car itself is zoomed in on and the car is a Corvette, not a Trans Am, so I was wrong. They are shown walking into a building with matching T-shirts on, then going through a gate in another set of matching T-shirts, then back at the jukebox, then walking through a crowd, then, ki- then kissing people at ringside. Now back this time inside the car and now driving off. Wow. We're staying on the theme of the Rock and Roll Express and from our episode that aired on the 16th of February 2020 and was related to the February 18th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling, Foul Original and I chat about the debut of the Rock and Roll Express. Um, so next up, we've got our video package with the Rock and Roll Express. Now... I don't know what you thought of this, but I've seen this package now, I think five times. 
So I'm going to, what did you think of this, this rock and roll express video package? I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's just so good. Like it's, it's really interesting because I, I've been watching the rock and roll express in NWA uh, recently, NWA power. And like seeing like how good they were back then and how good they are now, but just the awkwardness of the whole oh, video package. Yeah. Like it's like there's so many scenes when they just look at camera in this really weird like because it's into like the whole thing is them just hanging out in really cool cars. Yeah. But that's all they do. Hang out in really cool cars interspliced with like footage of their matches, which is really good because I guess like it's something that I've seen in the NWA as well, where like you could in theory like put a feud through that music video. Like you could, you know, show a feud through it. But for some reason it just looks like they're advertising Corvette. Like oh, they're just they're, like... they're so obsessed with cars because obviously in the Magnum TA one they had this. So, uh, the, the 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 first version of this video was I think four episodes ago and I absolutely loved it. Um, but they they've basically shown the same video every week thereafter. And I I got to the point where I saw this. I was like, I just don't want to see these guys standing next to a jukebox or walking into a building wearing the same t-shirt like ever again and I, I really do think if I was 15 years old when I saw seeing this for the first time watching Miss House I think I'd have hated these two guys because and then actually they get you see them in ring and they're like absolutely fantastic you think well I think that would turn it around but it's like these two smug guys kissing loads of girls like looking like they've just made the best selection anyone's ever made in a jukebox and looking so pleased about it it's just like come on just let them debut but thankfully in the next segment they do um, so Dale Veazey and Pat Rose, the opponents for the Rock and Roll Express, um, who came out to screams from the crowd to electric light orchestras, Rock and Roll is King. Um, and the Rock and Roll Express are wearing a rather nice pair of powder blue ties. What did you, th- what did you think of this? It's only a couple of minutes. Oh, no, actually, just under two minutes, actually. Uh, yeah, just under a couple of minutes, but quite short. What did you think of this one? Um, from what I've seen from the Rock and Roll Express up to this point, two minutes, pretty good match for them. Um, yeah. It was... It was good. Like they, they're really smooth. Like they're really good in the ring. Um, I could understand why they would be so popular. Like they were doing some stuff back then that would have been, would have been looked upon as magic. You know, some of some of the maneuvers, like like. I was watching one of the matches back earlier on. Um, I think like a power slam would win a match and they're doing like crazy arm drags and like, you know, I'm really big fan of that high impact, high spot kind of stuff and seeing it back then, especially um, it's something quite special. So yeah, I really love the Rock and Roll Express. And after that, after the video package, I was so hyped for them anyway. Like the second (laughs) they were coming out, I was like, yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. I think um, you, have to, you have to watch a bit more and, and see the Midnight Express as well because it's just, it's, it's just the same the same thing. I really want to find a match um, from from Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express from around this time. That's a, yeah, proper fifteen twenty minute match because the, the, those those two teams, Magnetia at times, Hacksaw, Butch Reed, and actually to be fair, Kasha Darso, the future Demolition Smash, is pretty good in ring as well. But those first first group of five guys are just so they're just just kind of another level and they're, and they're so smooth and as you say they the rock and roll express look like you could plug those two guys from february 1984 into 
New Japan, or well, I suppose, I suppose or AEW, obviously, recently they have done, um, and their recent appearances, but you could plug their versions and they'd go right in and they'd be just as good as everybody else, if not better. So, yeah, re really, really phenomenal. Back to March 21st, 2020 now, and Al Getz talks about the return of Bill Watts and the ongoing angle with Jim Cornette. Yeah, and and this sort of goes back to what I said a little bit ago about how you feel like you 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 know a lot happens during a given week of TV, but at the same point, if you if you missed last week's TV or if you missed the last two shows, within four minutes you're caught up to speed, and and this is, you know, they're 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 making sure the viewer understands that this is very important, and then that's the thing about Bill Watts in Mid South was. You, you know, they pay, if you're a longtime fan, if you're a regular watcher, it, it pays off and they, everything builds on each other. So they're really setting the stage for what's about to come. Because originally, you know, it seems like, all right, well, they're setting up a feud between the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express. Cool. I want to see that. <gasps> Bill Watts just slapped Cornette. This is now, you know, this is something big. Bill Watts, you know, owns the company. He was a former wrestler. I, I recall he used to be a champion. Are they, you know, are they going to, oh my God, now the Midnight Express beat him up. What's going to happen next? They've now all all of a sudden very quickly got you up to speed on everything that's going to happen, and your mind is racing with the possibilities. But this, at the same time, if you are a real wrestling fan, you know what's happening next. You know this is going to lead to Bill Watts coming out of retirement, and you just want to be right. You you are saying to yourself, "Oh my God, Watts is going to get back in the ring. How cool is this going to be?" And so now you're just staring you know you're you're right up against the tv nose touching it hoping and praying that that they're going to deliver what you think they're going to deliver zeus king joined me at the back end of april 2020 to talk about the very very important may the 26th 1984 episode of miss south wrestling and we have to touch on the super date at the superdome Pierce says that he wants to tell us about a match that's going to keep us watching the whole hour. The Battle of the Expresses with a $50,000 purse on the line. What shows the check and explains the rules? It's no DQ and no time limit. They did say, though, it was TV time remaining. Um, and the check is made out to the Rock and Roll Express. If the Midnight Express don't beat them, the money is theirs. Watts adds that the entries for the Superdome that the Super Day at the Superdome are still rolling in and we have this video again. Do you think this was a ploy for Mid-South just, just to get as many pictures of girls as they possibly could do? Or do you think this was a uh, like a mailing list ploy? Because I've heard that about things like when Hogan was injured in, the, in WF in 1990. They did that and they said, right, let's think. They wanted a big list of, ma of mailing. But w were there any catalogues or anything going out to people there? Or was it just literally a case of we want 2,000 pictures of girls to go through? Uh, it's it sounds pretty pervy. I mean, uh, it you, you can't. Uh, I just can't imagine. Um, I can't imagine that it, it's uh, it's it's you know that Ricky and Robert needed any help getting girls. <laughs> no, you know? I I'm sure. I'm sure they absolutely did not, did they? But um, yeah. yeah. I, so I don't think this was a mainly. I, I think this was a bit. I'm sure there probably was some merchandise, but I think this was probably a bit early for big amounts of merchandise. I think. What, what do you think on that? Oh, the way early for merchandise. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. you know, they they talked about having some things, but I I don't remember. T-shirts were very rare. Only of only a select few. Uh, people had T-shirts in in '85. I mean, '84. Uh, uh, very, 
very few and far between. I mean, even like like even concert T-shirts weren't super common, you know, as far as that kind of thing. No, and I th- I think I remember I could be completely wrong about this, but I think I think I'm right. I think if you look at, look back at the old um, footage of Hogan winning the title from the Iron Sheik at Madison Square Garden in January '84, I don't believe there's any. I mean, I know he wasn't in WF all that long at that point, but I don't believe there's any official Hogan merchandise. I think there's like ha- homemade stuff, and there might be a homemade foam hand and things like that. Then fast forward to Mar- end of March the following year, and I think you do start to see Hogan shirts, and even more so in the years thereafter. Yeah. So I think I think that is the time, probably eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven, when it became more of a, more of a thing. Staying on the same episode, the Rock and Roll Express defended the titles against the Midnight Express, and there was $50,000 of Jim Cornette's mother's money at stake here if the champions were able to retain. Um, so basically, we have, we have King Carl Fergie on the outside here, and he's taking Cornette's tennis racket away as the bell goes. Uh, I'm not going to go through this move by move, but this was, you know, this was as you'd expect. Uh, yeah, no you team need to watch this. Yeah, yeah, you need to watch this. This, this <laughs> match needs to be go, go, go back and, and watch. Neither team are on top for particularly long. You've got all the moves you'd expect. It's a beautiful drop kick uh, by Gibson on Eaton in this one. Um, they hurl uh, Eaton over the top rope, um, and he takes a huge spill on the outside. And what says that normally that would be a DQ, but as it's a no-DQ match, the ref can't do anything, which I thought was a great, right. great spot. Um, I think one of, the, one of the guys gets his back the other way um, as well. Um, and going into the closing, basically the closing sequences of this of this one. Um, so basically, Morton makes it out, and Gibson is great on his comeback. So Morton had been beaten down, and he tags out. Gibson comes in, starts to come back until Cornet pulls the top rope over, and Gibson takes a huge spill to the outside. He's up quickly though, and Eaton's head is held into the ring post. Back in the ring, Condry goes to the top to try and splash Gibson. Uh, but Morton dives on top of him to save him. Um, Gibson flips Condry over the top rope. He, I mean, even reading this, you can see how much is going on. It was just incredible to try and take notes on this because it was so fast-paced. Um, Eaton gets in there and Gibson traps him with a sleeper. Um, and then this is a bit we talked about. So Eaton kicks his feet out and the ref goes absolutely flying into the corner and through the middle rope, which is just a really incredible bump for, for a referee. Yeah. Well, for anyone, but for, let alone for a referee. Um, and he, go, he goes on the outside. So then Cornette gets onto the apron with a sort of a towel or rag. I mean, he sprays something and he gets into the ring and holds it against Robert Gibson's face. What says there's a medical smell in the air, the sort of thing you'd get in a hospital? Um, Cornette then heads out and, and Eaton crawls back over. Um, and what says that Gibson is unconscious? So Eaton covers him and gets the win in 9.39. And we have new Mid-South Tag Team Champions. What says that, there's, that he's coughing and gagging over the medical smell? Um, and interestingly, they're not putting over initially this as being too dastardly on commentary, which is somewhat surprising. Watts even says, well, this, it was a no DQ match. Um, so what did you think of this this one and how they actually got to the tag team title change here? Um, well, it was it was pretty low as far as, uh, uh, you know, as an honorable win. Uh, mm. Pretty, pretty damn low, even in a uh, no DQ match. Uh, but it's definitely something that, you know, increases the heat. And makes you hate Cornet more. Uh, it, it whatever whatever it was that he used definitely smelled bad because there were fans that were like fanning their noses. Mm, yeah, yeah. I wonder what it was. You could, you could see him. You know, I mean, it could have been. I mean, it could have been. You know, can fart for all I know. But I mean, it, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was definitely whatever it was. It stunk enough to make the people at ringside. Uh, you know you know, waft the, the air away. So, um, you know, of course, 
great heat, you know, makes the Midnight Express look like they don't deserve the belts, and, you know, just just beautifully done and, you know, continues the feud. Next up, another wonderful Joel Watts creation from the July 7th, 1984 episode, and we aired this on the 25th of June, 2020. Um, so at the desk, what says that everyone has enjoyed the progress of changing? Ma- oh, this is the highlight. I'm so looking forward to going through this. So at the, he said, what says that everyone has enjoyed the progress of changing McIntyre? He came there as a protege of Dusty Rhodes, but he lacked one thing, intensity. He took on a coach and Mr. Wrestling 2 helped him develop that, but they had a falling out, but it wasn't Magnum's fault. And right now we're going to enjoy Magnum T.A. to the Steppenwolf tune, Born to be Wild. So a, bit, a quick trivia, which I suspect you're both going to get definitely one of you's going to get what who used the song born to be wild in ecw's entrance music captain Jim. mark absolutely yeah that is completely correct as i expect the wrestlemania trivia <laughs> champion has got that uh so i'm just going to go through this line sort of motion by motion picture by picture and then we'll, we'll talk about what your what your thoughts were so the first shot is a black and red motorbike then we cut back and magnum is lying topless on top of the bike then it looks like he's going to ride off, um, but then it's back to him lying topless and we get a cheeky thumbs up. Then it shows a poster of a lady lying on a different bike. Then footage of Magnum riding, no helmet, which is dangerous. Then holding a woman close at a disco. Then with stars and stripes flag in the ring. Then smashing out some shoulder press. Then smashing opponents with drop kicks. Back to Magnum chatting with some ladies, more riding. Then bizarrely, someone licks their lips close up. There was a lady uh, back to the post with the girl on the bike. Now he's signing some autographs. Then he's back dropped Buddy Landell and he's hit some other moves. I think Ted DiBiase is in there somewhere. Take an incredible looking uh, bump. Then it shows him holding up the title belt. He hits an incredible looking suplex of someone in there. Like one I've never even seen before. It's like a, a spinning belly to belly overhead incredible thing. Then we get the lick licking, lick, the lip licking again. <laughs> then Magnum's kissing a lady. There's a shot of him flexing his pecs. He's slamming a bloke on the outside. He's suplexing Mr. Wrestling 2. There's more bike. And then out of nowhere, it just ends and cuts back to Bill Watts. So, Mark, what did you think of this just incredible, incredible video package? Uh, yeah, I made some notes. Um, <laughs> I, I watched, when, when I'm doing these reviews with you, I watch it the first time, uh, just to sit there and watch the show and enjoy it on YouTube. And then I rewatch it, usually on the network, which I did this time so I can make notes the second time. Uh, okay, yeah. And they the obviously don't have Born to be Wild on the network, but um, they, they've replaced it with a song that's actually pretty good. Um, oh, really? Again, okay. I, I, went, I went and get, Googled the lyrics to the song to see if I could pick it up. I don't think it is an actual song. It must be a WWE creation, and it's sort of like Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf, but not Born to be Wild. Oh, I wonder if it's a theme they never used for someone, maybe, and they just got it. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So that, that was good, and then... Um, I mean, more than the, the weird stuff with the, the close-ups of the woman licking the lips and um, and the, the close-up of Magnum popping his pecs was definitely out of left field. I didn't see that coming. Um, but more than that, it was more the footage of... There was a lot of Ted DiBiase in there taking Magnum's back drops, hip tosses, and on the end of drop kicks. And it reminded me why, when I was a kid, Ted DiBiase was my favourite heel. Mm. Because him bumping around for all the big-name big baby faces... Uh, I was always a big, big fan of that. So I, enjoy, I enjoyed the, the, that footage more than the riding around on the motorbikes, etc. 
Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that, that, I, I, Ted DiBiase took, I, there was a probably, I, I think it was him a few times, but he just seemed to take some incredible looking bumps in, in, in this. And, and Magnum and Ted DiBiase did have, did have a series of matches in, in, in Mid-South. Um, but actually, unfortunately, the era that I'm watching or we're watching now, um, Ted DiBiase isn't really involved in, on TV too much. I think he is a bit more towards the end of the year, uh, but he's off doing other, other things and working for other promotions at this time. I'm sure, what did you think of this, uh, this video package? I absolutely love it. I just thought they don't make they, they just don't make them like that anymore. No. I mean more wondrous stuff now from Joel Watts with an unprecedented three video packages in the same episode of television from july the 21st 1984 an hour episode on july the 9th 2020. Um so after this we cut to a special look at the pretty young things. Uh, and this is video package number one uh, on this week's episode. They are standing in red leather jackets with PYT written on the wall. And it looked to me like someone had actually like done this with like marker pen or something behind them there. It yeah. wasn't that, yeah, it wasn't the best looking set, was it? <laughs> so someone's job was to like write PYT on this, this brown um, background in the background. Um, Coco Ware is holding a stereo and we start with Thriller um, and then cut to Pretty Young Thing by Michael Jackson as well. Um, as the video shows the two hitting moves and opponents and also a bit of dancing too. Why not? I mean, I'm sure that, that went down well. And um, again, here, there's a lot of footage from other territories um, back in the day where they would just use the footage without you know, copyright considerations or there would be a sharing of footage because there was you know, a bit of a sharing of wrestlers around with a lot of this stuff was um, from the Mid-South Coliseum, so the, the Memphis promotion. Um, so after the various shots have moved, we get back to PYT in front of the screen and they look pretty pleased with themselves, which, which I can imagine they would be after smashing to their, some of their opponents' good moves. Um, and Norvell Austin says there's going to be thousands of people at the box office queuing up to see them. Um, I was a bit disappointed there weren't any vehicles in this, uh, this promo. Um, what did you think of this video package? So I don't think I've ever prayed before, but after watching that, I remember thinking to myself, I'm in praying, thinking, I'm so glad I wasn't born in the 80s. <laughs> it, was, it was Michael Jackson in a wrestling promo. Um, it was absolutely mental. And nothing happened in the promo. I don't, no, really, yeah. I don't understand. It was just them showing themselves off. And it was, I do remember watching it thinking, what is this? Like, wrestling is so different. It is. And I think, I think the context you've probably got, if you, if you put this with, and, and actually, I don't think, a music video, I mean, you're quite a bit younger than me, but music videos were a really big thing when sort of in the mid-90s, late-90s, when we first sort of had Sky, and there was like the music channels and stuff, and like MTV was just music videos and that yeah. sort of thing. Is that still so much of a thing in the modern era of like streaming and stuff in terms of like... Not really. Yeah. I think back then there was an element of um, you always listen to the music channels and if there's a music channel, there's going to be a video with it. And that's yeah. the way it was. Whereas now with Spotify, and like that, I don't think people really... People still do the music videos, but there's a much less orientation towards them than there were, I think. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was... Yeah, seeing Pretty Young Thing to, um, uh, dancing to Michael Jackson in... Oh, Something else. <laughs> so back then, so music videos, music videos as a genre were really new because I think MTV was maybe 82 or 83. It started. Okay. So I think that's, that's probably what they are um, sort of playing on a little bit more here in terms of, you know, this is actually a really new thing. So MTV started on the August the 1st, 81, so a little bit, a little bit after I said, but um, yeah, so, so that, that is probably more the vibe they're going for that music with some action equals people really like this and put them over. But I, I agree. And then we, we get some more of this. They are a bit, because it's not, it's not a traditional wrestling promo in the sense of 
we're getting to learn a bit more about their characters or mm. we're understanding what their motivations are. They want to be tag champions. They want to, you know, whatever it may be. Um, it's just more them looking a bit flash, I suppose, isn't it, really? And that's, and yeah, that, but that worked. I mean, the Rock and Roll Express came in on these things mm. and they, the people in, in uh, Shreveport had never seen them before and they, they lost it for them. They were like the biggest rock stars went in the promotion. They'd never seen them wrestle before. They, yeah. A few of them might have seen them on uh, some programming from other promotions. But again, we're talking about um, around this time, I think there was something like, I'm putting together the thing for Black Saturday, which I mentioned last week, which is the, so Black Saturday was the 14th of July, 84, where viewers turned in and they expected to see NWA programming. And it was Vincent McMahon standing in the WF had bought the time slot. So it's this big thing, especially yeah. in the South, lots of complaints, et cetera. Um, but back then, I think TBS was, was available in something like 4.8 million homes out of what, 100 million people in America, something like that. So it's, sure. not, it's not a big, it wasn't a big, a big thing so much, cable TV grew, but you, they might have seen a few of them. But I guess the point is they just came in pretty cold apart from video packages and they loved it. So it is, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing looking at it with, with more 2020 eyes. Um, yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to what we've got next here. So back from the break, we have Jim Ross and Watts, and Ross says that Terry Taylor is certainly one of the best athletes they've ever seen, and he is the current Mid-South television champion. And Joel has put together a special video package on Taylor with the help of Rod Stewart's Do You Think I'm Sexy? Oh, yes, a double video package alert. I think this might be the first time in Mid-South ever. Two video packages, and we know what's coming later. No spoilers <laughs> just yet, though, for potentially a third one. So this video shows Terry walking to the ring with some American flags and kissing some ladies. Then he's holding one in his arms. Then he's getting a car. Of course he is. There's always got to be a vehicle in it. Then he's chatting to a girl who gave him some flowers on an old episode at ringside. Then there's some in-ring action. Then a girl sitting with Taylor in a restaurant who looked like she was yawning. Did you plot that? Yeah, I was yeah. sitting there. <laughs> she was definitely yawning. Then they go to a wide angle and show them having a chat. Then Taylor is lying down on a photo shoot, topless, obviously. Then back to some successful in-ring moments. Big topless thumbs up, double back pose. Things have escalated in the restaurant and the bored lady is now holding hands with Terry. They then head outside and Terry gives her a quarter to call her mother as the line in the, of the song says the same thing and they jump into a cab together. Uh, more in-ring action and Taylor signing some autographs and we are out of there. What a video. This is incredible. What did you think of this? Well, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of the 80s promos beforehand. And I remember watching this thinking to myself, I wish I was Terry Taylor. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. When I'm older, I want to be Terry Taylor. This guy is an absolute gangster. But um, yeah, what an incredible bloke. What an incredible, yeah. such an interesting life. He got he, he ticked the lady from yawning to call it he's giving her a course to find her mum so I'm not me home tonight. So Absolutely. Yeah, we, this, this we can is all great. learn from Terry Taylor. We can all learn from him. <laughs> this is a lot better than the, the pretty young things are. I thought this was this was <laughs> this is really classic. And I thought the way they got the quarter thing in this in the, I know it's simple, but they showed what was happening in this as the song sang it at the same time. I thought this was really, really good. Mm. And, you, and, and you've nailed it there. You, if you're a guy seeing this, you think, like, what a, what a cool bastard this guy is. Yeah, yeah. A girl watching it's like, look at this, like, good looking and attractive young guy as a champion and, like, you know, like, good guy, baby face, et cetera. So this, this worked for me. I thought this, this was really, really great. But on the plus side, what we've got coming next is. A oh third gosh. counter, one, two, three video package. <laughs> and probably the most bizarre one of the lot. Actually, before this, back at the desk after the break, 
Ross says that Sonny King will be rushed to the hospital and it looks like a severe, um, a severe, a severe, a severe whatever. Did you spot that? <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. oh, I was listening out for it because I didn't see the four by four thing, uh, two <laughs> yeah. by four thing. So I was like, was listening thinking, was he actually going to the hospital? Like, yeah, you're 100% right. Nothing happened. You don't know what it was. Like, yeah, Ross couldn't, well, Ross, I guess he didn't want to make it too serious, but he did. You know, he 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 alluded to something and then just couldn't couldn't get his words out. And it's just it's just interesting that this this obviously made the final cut here. But yeah, great great stuff. So uh, Ross apologises that we haven't seen the Fantastics live, but thanks to ZZ Top, we're going to see a video package on them. So to the sounds of sharp dressed man, uh, the boys are presumably in a car and then they're getting ready uh, to get get dressed into a tux. And back to the car, so there's some cowboy boots showing close up. There's a girl hanging out of a car. One of them is pointing at his white shirt. Then they are in full tops and tails pointing at the girls and dancing. Then they're topless. The girls look like they've driven off, not interested. Now they're in a car and the ladies look like they're waving. And finally they've stopped and they're getting out of the car. Out of nowhere, the Fantastics are standing topless in front of a white Trans Am. The girls walk off, not interested. But now they're back. And presumably it's because the Fantastics are now in their tuxedos and they start snogging, both of them. And there's a really sickening close-up zoom in on one of these snogs. She's like, no one needs to see this. Um, and as they zoom out, the boys are topless again. And there's a final shot with the pair nodding along to the music, standing by a Rolls Royce. What on earth was this? What did you think of this? <laughs> this was insane. It was, I, I don't think there's a word out there to describe it. Um, I remember thinking, firstly, with the Fantastics, I felt a little bit bad for them with the previous week where they got cut off and this week their match is cancelled. Yes. I remember thinking, if I was one of the Fantastics, I'd be getting super annoyed. Whereas after doing that video package, I can see why they like being in Mid-South Wrestling. Yeah. Um, it was, oh my God. I, yeah, it was um, the close-up of the snogging, I remember. My, literally, my notes literally just say, fantastic snogging. Uh, fantastic <laughs> <for> snogging. <laughs> uh, because I, I was watching it and I just couldn't comprehend. I don't understand. Like with the Terry Taylor one, it makes sense, and like, it was actually quite cool. The Fantastics, it was just off-putting. I remember yeah. seeing the stocking clothes on. Going, oh, it was yeah, yeah, it was a bit like the licking the lips thing with the Magnum one last week. I think wasn't it? It's just like, it's a bit. They just crossed the line. It's just a bit too much. So yeah, like, yeah. Like, no one wants to see that. It's just a bit uncomfortable. That was the voice of my nephew James joining me then, and he is with me again for what must be said is one of the most earth-shattering announcements in the history of Mid-South Wrestling. From August the 18th, 1984, this aired on August the 6th, 2020. Right, we're going to talk about a very interesting uh, episode of Mid-South um, here today. So it's the August the 18th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Um, which is episode 258 on YouTube. Um, so uh, Ross and Watts are at the desk today, and Ross says we have some exciting things to tell us all about, including a tag team match beyond compare with the Fantastics and the Midnight Express. And then what comes next is absolutely huge in the context of, of, of this promotion and the wrestling world at the time. Um, and here's a clip of Bill Watts explaining exactly what's happened. Uh, the big topic of conversation is the junkyard dog and what's happened to him and we don't really know we do know that he's left the mid-south area and of course junkyard dog was a great superstar for a lot of time and i think a lot of the pressure that butch reed has put on to him maybe finally affected him i the only thing i disagree with is he made a lot of obligations here and he let the fan, fans down but you know he's been under the gun for five years here in mid-south and butch reed is an awesome individual and apparently it it, it kind of made him crack or do something and he's 
he sought uh, greener pastures, so to speak. That, we, we don't know. This is all uh, summation and, and uh, speculation, but certainly he's not here, and he didn't show up in the matches. He, he was booked against Butch Reed, and, of course, Reed and Landell are going to take a lot of credit for that. But right now, we're going to go to Boyd Pierce in the ring and Steve Dr. Death, who has an announcement. So Watts wrote the following in his autobiography on the junkyard's dog defection to the ref. So you're going to get a bit of story time now, nice. uh, James. Yeah. So imagine <laughs> like perhaps perhaps you're trying to get to sleep at night and you wanted to read Bill Watts's autobiography. Um, so um, Vince fired a shot at Mid South um, that definitely got my attention. Um, he snatched away the junkyard dog. It was a devastating blow. The worst thing was the way we found out. One night in August 1984, JYD just didn't show up and he never showed up again. Years later, Vince told me that he'd never told JYD not to show up for us, and I believe Vince. At least I think I do. Still, JYD walked out after all those good years. One might think some serious money change hands, wouldn't they? I had loaned JYD $10,000 in cash and $10,000 more that I recorded. I ended up suing him, and the Louisiana Athletic Commission suspended him because he owed me $10,000. So he had to pay that back, but the half I loaned him in cash I never saw again. It was a real loss to the territory because we had built him up as the key guy. But what hurt me the most was the loss of that personal relationship I felt we had. Another sad thing to me was that he was a true superstar in our area. But when he went to Vince, he was just another guy there, even though Vince did make him a lot of money. I've seen it happen to a lot of guys. And I'll tell you, when a guy gets hooked on drugs, there's no way for him to think logically. That person sees life only through the filter of whatever drug or substance he's abusing. And if you're not a drugger, you can actually convince yourself that you can help someone through a problem like that. I believe JYD never recovered from cocaine. He made millions in his three years with Vince and he ended up losing it. He ended up with nothing. He told me all it ended up getting smoked or going up his nose. So this was a huge story for Mid-South. Um, this perhaps wasn't to the level of if Hulk Hogan defected to Jim Crockett in 1987, but in the context of the time and Mid-South wrestling um, and the time he spent in the promotion, all the houses drawn, this was a real hammer blow to Bill Watts. Yeah. Um, so the Junkyard Dog debuted for the World Wrestling Federation on 10th of August 1984. So that's just uh, eight days before this um, this aired this this uh, Mid South episode. He defeated Max Blue in 417 in the Keel Auditorium in St Louis. Um, he would remain in the WF until October 1988, and he debuted a little later that year for Jim Crockett slash WCW, where he would remain a little on and off until his last match in the promotion in July 1993 against Dick Slater. JYD's final career match occurred on the 24th of November 1995, which also happens to be my 14th birthday. Um, oh. I don't, I was, I didn't attend, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> that would have been a nice birthday treat. Um, going up against Red Roberts in Miami, Florida, um, he would tragically pass away in a single car accident on Interstate 20 near Forest, Mississippi, as he was returning from his daughter Latoya's high school graduation in Waysboro, North Carolina. Sylvester Ritter was just 45 years old at the time of his death and he was posthumously inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in New York City the night before WrestleMania 20 in 2004, which I actually was there for. Um, wow. JYD was a former four-time Mid-South North American champion, eight-time Mid-South Tag Team champion, having debuted with the company as far back as 1979, and previously having been known in the area for work in the tri-state promotion, the precursor to Mid-South as far back as April 1977. So there's a lot to digest there, um, but going back over the Watt speech about JYD, uh, putting over Butch Reed in the process, there seemed to be genuine upset and emotion there from Bill Watts. So what did you think of this sort of real shocking announcement at the start of this episode? Well, to me, uh, obviously, I've only watched five episodes of Mid-South, or five or six episodes of Mid-South, so it, I knew he was a big guy, and obviously knowing how his career went afterwards, he was a name that I knew, so... 
I imagined it was big, but I didn't appreciate it was as big as you've just told me. Um, so, yeah, I, I sort of understood it was a big deal, but, I mean, this went on, the rest of the show carried on like normal, didn't it? So Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's probably, um, and again, I can't speak so much for Mid-South because I can't really, really speak about what I've seen so far, but once someone's gone... Bill Watts mentioned Nikolai Volkov once, um, but generally speaking, in this period in wrestling, if someone was gone, they're kind of a bit dead to the promotion. Like in the WF, yeah. Hulk Hogan wouldn't have been mentioned after he was gone, um, yeah. even if he wasn't working anywhere else. And, and this, obviously, he, uh, Bill Watts felt that, uh, you know, as as a um, as a person that was, you know, well respected by his fans, and and, and he and he he tried to, I think Watts tried to tell an honest story and uh, and answer the questions that the viewer was looking for. Um, and I, I clearly he felt that he had to address this on air, and um, for the people that either bought tickets to events that Joe I did not showed up for, or just were watching to tune in to see their favourite star. But yeah, I mean, it's, this is a big, a big loss, and and not the first because they've lost a few people before this. But this is going to be a continuing theme as the months and years go on for this promotion. Dan joined me back in September 2020 to review the October 6, 1984 episode of Miss South Wrestling, which featured a history-making moment. As Adrian Street, the legend, the late great Adrian Street, challenged Terry Taylor for the Mid South Television title. Back to these punches, I, I, Street absolutely punched the absolute hell out of Taylor about yeah. three times, like full on in the in the chin. I was like, "Crikey, I don't know what's going on." Here. And I actually think these two, I didn't think they clicked all that well. I thought there's a couple of iffy looking moments in this, um, and basically. Taylor got on top of the match after a long sort of beatdown um, and until Street forced a kiss on him. Taylor was so stunned by this that Adrian Street was able to roll him up for the three count and the win in 4.54. So a new Mid-South television champion. And Joel on commentary said, I've never seen anything like this before in all of my life. All of my life, A man kissing another man. I can't believe it. And I must say, I did wonder if the lady doth protest a little bit too much here in terms of what, what Joel was saying. He'd never seen this before. But I digress. Um, so when I said over the last few weeks, they weren't pressing this button all that hard. Well, they literally just smashed the button with a sledgehammer. This is, you know, this is of its time. We, you know, we understand that this is not something that would, you know, attitudes change. I think, the, I think the um, what's what's the the line that you see on Netflix and, and Disney Plus things now? I think it contains outdated cultural references, basically. And I think this is a this is a fair, you know, thing for this. But um, just just to finalise this uh, this segment, so Jim Ross left the commentary position to interview Taylor, and Taylor said he couldn't believe he lost like that after everything that happened, to lose it to something like that. Taylor says that Street may have the middle now, but Taylor would be back to get it. Um, I didn't think this was very good from Taylor at all. I thought this was a real mess. Uh, he, he just, whatever he was trying here didn't work. So what did you think of all this? Uh, what did you think of this finish <coughs> and this uh, post-match? I mean, <laughs> I, I was in, I just, I, you know, we just go, Sorry, did I just watch that? Yes, correctly. Yeah. Um, you know, he got as as he as he's applying the as he's applying the lip lock. Um, you got uh, Joel saying, "Oh my God, he's kissing Terry Taylor." Then obviously he rolls him up at a pin. Um, which, to be honest, actually, you probably would be a bit dazed and confused. I, I, I'm at the, I mean, I certainly didn't see it coming. I mean, I know they would have, but you know, I mean, I actually thought that was actually fairly realistic. I that wouldn't you would have be been so... a bit like. I don't know. I, I don't know. Days that I lose my championship over it. <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, just to clarify, I mean, let's point out this wasn't a central 
like romantic kiss. This was a very this is, forced... this is an assault. This was yeah, yeah. yeah this was this was a false. It, it's, it's I, don't, I don't think there was both parties were getting involved in. No, this. I mean we talked about this before. It's weird to think that the the forced kiss by a baby face on a heel female valet was a baby face spot for years and years and years. Yeah, you think, like this is like it's 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 just so mad how things that are you can clear, clearly see now are like plainly wrong, but was like, you did, if it, someone did that in 1987 yeah. in an arena, you get 20,000 people going, going crazy for that, wouldn't you? So, yeah, sorry, I was yeah. you, Dan, yeah. And that's, but even when he says, so even when he says, I've never seen this yet in my entire life, a man kissing another man, I was waiting for him to end it with, and maybe again, because of the time, to him to say, in a wrestling ring. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, yeah. Or, or in a title match, or in Mid-South. No, he just ends it with, I've never seen a man kissing another man. But I, I, I reckon he probably hadn't. It Maybe he hadn't. Yeah, it wouldn't have been anything on television. And, and actually, you know, at, at the time, um, I'm, trying to th- I'm trying to think where, when things were, you know, first, you know, first appeared on, in media here. I mean, you had the... Um, the uh, stuff in Brookside, didn't you, in maybe the early 90s. But I, I don't think there was anything... That I, yeah. Maybe something in the EastEnders in the, in the late 80s here. But I can't, I, can't, I can't think. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is... This, that, that, I mean, that's the button they were pressing here, that, you know, hard. Um, oh, yeah. No. But, but, yeah. I mean, I mean, even, even when... It, Joel shrieks as well. Like, when he yeah. beats him, it's like a shriek. Like, he's done it! Like, yeah, yeah. Real... Yeah, but I think you're, you're right. I mean, I actually... Was like I don't know. I feel, I feel like I'm sort of quite liking Asian Street. Um, I'm sort of. Do you know what? I'm sort of. Whereas I first first felt a little bit like, oh, what's this? Is a bit of a novelty act. I'm now starting to wonder. I don't know whether this is, you know, as you say, they're pushing the button. Is this also them saying, you know, this shouldn't. This this is not acceptable. Is the wrong word, but you shouldn't be. Like, we want to shock you, but we also want to be like, okay, this is an angle we're going for. It's not, you know, it's not punishable by death. Do you know? I, I, yeah. I don't know. Is, 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 is Adrian Street is Adrian Street doing this for, you know, because they want to cause a stir, which I'm sure they are. But is he also, in, in a way, I'm, maybe not, but, like, trying to make this more acceptable? I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 just, I think that's a, a very... That would be a very nice way with our 2020 eyes to look at it. But I actually <laughs> maybe, think... Yeah. I actually think this is... this is Because I'm not, not, I'm not sure defended is the right word, but we, we knew what this was when this first was on. But actually, they weren't pressing it too hard. Yeah. And actually, he was getting some cheers a few weeks. But now they've pressed it hard. Um, and I hope for the sake of us reviewing it, they... they uh, Get the sledgehammer away from that button and don't and don't hit it quite so hard. But you know, I, I think this was they could have hit this a lot harder. The gold dust stuff in WWF. If you look at some of that stuff from from what uh, 10, 12 years after this, twelve years after this, I mean that there was f words and all sorts of things on Raw that you know are still on the WWE network. Now. Yeah. Um, and you actually think for, for eighty four they weren't pressing it quite so hard. But we you know we know we know what this is. But yeah, interesting. He's come in and they pushed him hard. I, I like him as well. I like his aggressive style. I just didn't think this match super clicked. Yeah, so do I. I think yeah. Pro wrestler Savannah Summers joined me from across the across the pond. That's completely wrong. From the other side of the world, the other side of the world, not across the pond. She's in Australia. She was in Australia. Let's do that again. 
pro wrestler Savannah Summers joined me all the way from Australia back in October 2020 to review the very newsworthy November the 10th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. How many times can you say episode of Mid-South Wrestling in the same podcast? I'm going for a record here today. Back at the desk, what said that Morton and Gibson had suffered enough and they decided that one of them has to survive and the other one has to leave. Um, so we cut to an arena and Ross and the Rock and Roll Express are on top of a scaffold. Ross in a perfect somber voice as he's 20 feet above a concrete floor, 16 feet above the ring on a scaffold. Um, he says he knows Ricky has thought long and hard about the stipulation and this is beyond anyone's wildest dreams. Morton says any times they have the Midnight Express in a match, Cornette always found a way to get in there and have his tag team win. Cornette has put up the money and he knows that he doesn't have what it takes to climb up there and interfere. Um, I thought this whole segment, basically challenging the Midnight Express to a, um, a scaffold match, was really, really strong. I thought the presentation with Ross and, and the somber tone, and they showed, I think it was a, was it a watermelon or a lemon watermelon, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah being chucked off the top of the scaffold. And it exploded. And it exploded. Yeah. I just thought this was, this was so, so, so good. Um, and the, and the tone was perfect. It was not sort of bombastic, but a realisation that what was coming next was very dangerous, but had to be done, settle things once and for all. What did you think of this uh, this overall segment here, promoting the scaffold? Yeah, no, it, it was pretty intense. Like, I've not really seen um, those sorts of matches before. So I was like, dude, I wouldn't do that. That looks scary. No, <laughs> it's crazy. You think you got, you're probably four of the best wrestlers in the world at that point, and you're sticking them up on a scaffold. Yeah. And believe it, I've got this in my notes somewhere, but I'm going to skip forward to it. They did this. So what would happen in Mid-South was... They would promote these matches, um, but the bits that you didn't see was going in and out of the break, they would have a local promo. So if you were in Tulsa, say, for example, you, or uh, Louisiana, New Orleans, or some, somewhere, you'd get your promo for, the, for that match at your arena. But you kind of lived in a world where you thought that, you know, that was being promoted for your, unless you were kind of really inside and you were an observer subscriber or whatever, you kind of thought yeah. that that main event was coming to your arena and that was it. But actually they ran this scaffold match in 15 different towns. So yeah, that, I mean, it was just a few, yeah, it was, it, so this wasn't building, even, even the Superdome show. So they had three or four uh, shows at the Superdome where WrestleMania 30 and 34 uh, yeah, 34 was. Um, but again, they would repeat those main events in other towns, but you didn't, you just oh didn't, you God. didn't, yeah. So they had to do, they had to do that that many times, which is just, um, you know, just crazy, really. That's just silly. That's yeah, just it really ridiculous. is. It really is. Oh, wow. That's dedication. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That had a hard schedule back then as well. In ring after yeah. the break is Hacksaw Butch Reed, who is due to be up against Jim Horton. Um, Buddy Landell is out there saying he needs to talk to his man. And they talk off microphone for a little bit here before Ross walks over and Reed says that he is the man and asks him whether he knows who he is. Um, he ran down, ran Junkyard Dog out of town and beat Master G. And Reed says he doesn't need anybody and he is the number one man in Mid-South. So basically, to cut a long story short here, Landell is trying to um, recruit Reed for Skandar Akbar's group, but Reed basically doesn't want to, to do it. And this leads to Ted DiBiase coming out with Hercules and Akbar, and Akbar tells him they're there to talk, not fight. Um, ultimately, um, Reed does not take the opportunity to um, join Akbar's group. Um, he says he stands alone, doesn't need the money. Akbar asks him to stop and think and says he's either with them or he's against them. And he guesses he's against them. And they battle um, then with punches, and which draws a big cheer from the crowd until the heels take over and beat right, Reed down. And ultimately, Hacksaw Jim Duggan came out and made the save on the two-by-four in hands. This is, this is quite a moment for Mid-South here because Reed has been one of the number one heels in the promotion. Um, when we get back from break and Reed is at the desk with Boyd, Watson, Duggan, 
um, and they're talking about basically you know they've had some some past difficulties um, but now they've got some they've got respect from each other and when you've been you know butting heads for a long time you learn a lot about someone um, and yeah so basically these guys are teaming up here um, and this is this is a, a big baby face turn from Reed and this follows the defection of the junkyard dogs the World Wrestling Federation earlier in the year and um, Watts had briefly pushed Master G to the moon um, but around this time he started missing dates and Watts was clearly looking for another individual to fulfill a top baby face spot and this led to Reed turn so there's a lot to digest here um, what did you think of the entirety of this angle with the in-ring stuff and the post-match promo with Duggan and Reed, and just just this overall, could you, could you sense the kind of babyface turn in motion here as this was happening? Yeah, um, I could. I I did feel like for me it went like a bit long, like the talking, yeah. the the first little bit before you know they beat him down, and then Axor came out. So um, it, I, I probably because like yeah, I haven't followed it, so I I didn't feel like I needed quite as much as they gave. But um, yeah, but, and I think that's yeah, a completely no, fair point. I got it. Like it definitely, it definitely made sense, and I think it was good at the end. Um, Hexer and him, they left to get, they walked off together. Like I think they almost had their arms or, or like you know patting each other on the back, or whatever. And mm. like it seemed, it seemed good. Yeah, it made sense. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right and, and spot on with that. Reed, Reed had such a natural charisma, um, but he too often in some of the promos I've seen would get into a territory of being a bit shouty. And also, uh, did you watch? Yeah. Did you watch the YouTube version or the WWE Network version of this? Um, oh, whatever you sent me. YouTube, yeah. So, so I, yeah, I tend YouTube, to watch the, I tend to watch the YouTube ones because they've got the original music in there, and the WWE Network oh, okay. cut stuff out. Yeah, but unfortunately, that. yeah, that that doesn't help with read shouty promos because you're basically watching like a 18th generation VHS copy that someone's uploaded to YouTube about 10 years ago. So it's not <laughs> the, it's not the best quality, and some of the sound is a bit iffy from from time to time. Next up, we've got a very exciting one. We've got Hector and Chavo Guerrero. So these are the old, both the older brothers of Eddie Guerrero. And Chavo is the father of Chavo Guerrero Jr., who appeared um, himself in the WF in the mid-2000s. Um, and this is the team's television debut in Mid-South. And they are up against Mike Jackson and Shawn Michaels in his second-ever television match. Um, and he was sporting a glorious red MTV vest black long trunks and white boots what did you did, was first question was was sure Marcus popping up a surprise and also what do you think of his ring attire here <laughs> I was um I was a bit shocked I was like oh my god even even the the Guerreros I was like oh cool like yeah yeah I know. like this is good um and he was so young he yes just looked so young <laughs> it was crazy but um <laughs> but to be honest, um, I've never been much of a Shawn Michaels fan. Oh, so, really? Are so, you more yeah, Brett? Are you more Brett Hart, or just not, just not, not really either I kind would, of thing? I would say I'm more Brett Hart, but I just never really liked um, Shawn Michaels' um, gimmick or like his like character. I don't know How why. I just he always bothered me, and so I, I was never drawn in. But it was still really good to see him so young and like. Um, you know, watch him, you know, like before he was really like Shawn Michaels. I yeah, think, yeah, like, yeah. you know, he changed so much when, you know, he was with WWE and or WWF at the time. And yeah, so I thought that was, um, that was, it, it was interesting. Poyo Del Mar joined me uh, in January of 2021 to look back on the January 12th, 1984 Mid-South television episode. There are those words again. And we reviewed what I described at the time as one of the best segments in the history of television.
We're about to come on now to my one of my favourite segments in the history of Mid South Wrestling. So, and I hope I haven't, I haven't, um, you know, over over egged this. But so basically, there's a graphic going to break to say that Hacksaw Jim Duggan was going to be given an award, and Ross said that after the break, that on New Year's Eve, Mid South promoted two great events in Tulsa and Oklahoma, and they had uh, two great surprises in Tulsa. Bill Watts presented Jim Duggan with the first Athlete of the Year award with him receiving, is it Lucien Picard? I've never heard of that, gold gold and sapphire cufflinks. Yeah, so what I felt that this was, if I'm not mistaken, Lucien Picard was uh, like a jeweler in Houston. That's where their home base is. So basically, probably they gave them these, you know, cuffs and we're gonna mention your name 50 Uh, times on our product over the next five (laughs) weeks. Which they certainly did. Um, Promotional sponsorship. I mean, when I think of wrestling and what I would award a wrestler for being great, the thing that automatically springs to mind is cufflinks. Um, And plus it was, Ross mentioned it was Joel Watts' birthday, it's 21st. Um, So Watts is in the ring as the graphic reads, December 31st in Tulsa. And Watts calls out Doug and it gets a great reaction from the crowd. Watts said that he had been selected by all the promoters as the Mid-South Athlete of the Year for 1984. And Watts then reveals that Lucien Picard, solid gold and sapphire cufflinks. Doug and I thought the thing that, like when you get a terrible Christmas present and you have to feign that you're happy, did you spot that? It's like, I think he went, oh, 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 or something. It's like, he doesn't want these cufflinks. Um, Watts even then brings up that you may think that cufflinks are an unusual gift given how Jim dresses. However, he saw Jim Duggan in a tuxedo one time and he really looked great. He then added that he called Duggan's parents and asked what he should get him. And his parents said something that would mean he would dress a bit nicer. I mean, this is just, I, I couldn't believe, I watched this today, it was just unbelievable, it was incredible. Duggan then gets on the microphone, says thank you, and that they're sh- for sure the finest pair of cufflinks he's ever worn. And the next time they see him on TV, he'll be dressed to the town's baby. Watts then says that they have one more award and ask Bill Dundee and also Joel to come into the ring. Watts announces it's Joel's 21st birthday, which gets a nice cheer, and Bill gives him a magnum of champagne. Joel gives Bill the most awkward hug in the history of human life that Bill absolutely doesn't entertain whatsoever and doesn't move. And then Duggan asks the crowd to sing happy birthday to Joel, which they don't seem to join in too enthusiastically. Duggan then asks Joel to let him know when the pops of the t- uh, when he pops the champagne. I thought, forget Omega and Okada, forget Randy and Elizabeth reuniting at WrestleMania 7. I think I've just seen the best segment in the history of pro wrestling. What did you think about the absolute brilliance of this, uh, this Mid-South segment? I was, um, it was so, you know, I told you from the beginning, I was already previously blown away to realize something that had somehow escaped me my entire childhood, which is that this entire production is a nepotism project to help Bush's kid. <laughs> but this makes it all the more obvious. And then, then the kid is like some awkward 21-year-old. They're coming in. I The part that like surprised me the most is Bill Dundee comes in. Mm. Superstar Bill Dundee comes into the ring. He's like three feet tall. He um, delivers this magnum of champagne, which is actually the same size he is. But... <laughs> Bill Dundee, of course, is a superstar in his own, literally a superstar in his own right. He was very famous throughout the entire um, continental wrestling area, the Memphis wrestling area. He went on to have his greatest success as part of a tag team with Jerry the King Lawler, where they actually won the AWA tag team titles, uh, world tag team titles, the only world tag team title, a legitimate one that Dundee has ever held. But it was just, the, the whole thing was 
it was cringeworthy beyond. <laughs> I beyond. think you had the opposite reaction to me. I absolutely loved it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. You were like, I, I mean, I think that the the same reason that you love it is the same reason that I hated it because you were yeah. enjoying the fact that it's cringeworthy. Yes. I was just like, yes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next up, perhaps legitimately my favorite segment doing this podcast. On the February 23rd, 1985 episode of Mid-South Wrestling, along with me, Phil Segal and Terry Canova, it's the Best Dressed Man rematch. So the graphic at the bottom of the screen going into break said it all. Electronic monitoring of rematch Best Dressed Man contest. Not the best constructed sentence of all time, but it didn't need to be. Ross was in ring for this after the break, and he said, this is what you've all been waiting for. Ted DiBiase was in ring in a great tux along with his baseball bat for protection. Ross said that in his mind last week, there was a clear winner from the crowd vote, but Mr. DiBiase had requested a rematch. This time, it's going to be electronically monitored in a television truck with monitors at ringside, but the wrestling fans are still going to be deeply involved in the decision. And then Ross throws to Joel Watt standing outside the truck and we have picture in picture. I nearly lost my mind when this, this, this flipped up. Unbelievable. Picture in picture, right? Yeah. See what I got written on this note? Picture, picture in picture. picture. I'm so impressed. <laughs> incredible. This was incredible. Joel says he's in front of the KTBS mobile unit truck. Director Oral Lincoln, John Stokely, the audio man, are monitoring the electronic volume unit meter. And Joel hopes we have a clear cut decision in this contest. And I think we're all hoping for that as well, Joel. Ross asked Ted if the situation meets his approval but he doesn't like the bat being out there. Ted says that if Duncan comes out with a weapon, he'll put his bat, he, uh, he'll put it down. Uh, I've got that wrong. Basically, Ted says that if Duncan comes out without a weapon, he'll put the bat down. There you go. This is a foolproof system for deciding the winner and the chips will land where they may. So Duncan is back out in his white tuxedo and gets the sort of search people would do at the Blue Orchid nightclub in Croydon back in 1999. Um, so a full body search, checking for anything there as, as he comes in the room. So Ross asks the crowd's attention, explains the sound the crowd makes as being monitored in the truck. He says that booze register as loud as cheers. He suggests the crowd should make the most noise to the person who they think is the best dress. And for the person who is not, they should stay quiet. Now, I'm probably underplaying this, but Jim Ross explains this like this is like a legitimate, serious sporting competition. And I, he does it brilliantly. Jim Ross is superb in this role here. It's so, so good. Um, Ross asked them then to, to react to Duggan and we get a split screen in the noise monitor right into the red on the right-hand side as the crowd erupts for him. Um, Ross says they have a reading and then reiterated that booze count as much as cheers before he asked the crowd to react to DiBiase. There are some light cheers for DiBiase and the meter's back on the screen again, but it doesn't get anywhere near Doug, where Duggan's registered. So Ross says the results are in and Duggan got twice the noise. DiBiase says Ross has ripped him off again as he told the people not to cheer for him. Jim Ross protested here and DiBiase says he knows he's a friend of Doug and he doesn't agree with him. And he's going over his head and asks where Bill Watts is. Ross says that Bill isn't there. So Ted says he's going to speak to Joel instead. And Ross says it doesn't matter because right there is the best dressed man in Mid-South. So we get a split screen again as DiBiase confronts, confronts uh, Joel. I thought Joel was in for it here, but well, we'll get to what happens. And Joel's got a smile on his face, which almost made me want <laughs> like, Ted to do something. Joel's got like a, 
like a real smug smile on his face. As DiBiase asks him if he's going to let that decision stand, DiBiase says he's just like the rest of them, behind that no good drunken bum and that he's leaving. DiBiase, baseball bat in hand, then says to Joel, is that Duggan's car as the shot gets wider? And Ted asks if the monitor is still on. He tells the cameraman to get a closer look. Duggan's in there gloating like a big shot while he's taken out of his car, taking out his Duggan's car. DiBiase then smashes Duggan's windscreen with the multiple baseball bat shots as the split screen shows Duggan leaving the ring to run after DiBiase. Ted flees as Duggan makes it out there as Joel throws the commercial break. This was tremendously well done from start to finish. This is light years ahead of its time. Um, everything from the split screen to Ross's explanation to Joel outside of the truck to the meter itself, the way they showed that, to Ted confronting Joel and the car. This was pure wrestling gold. And I say that without even the slightest hint of sarcasm. This was a superb angle, brilliantly done, brilliantly executed. And what a payoff after last week. Um, Phil, what did you make of this entire segment? Uh, absolutely. This kind of took minutes out to another level at that mm. time. During the TV studio truck, you got the picture in picture. A note I made is, why did they think it would take three referees in the ring for a, for a best dress contest? There's three <laughs> officials in there making it making look really good. Uh, let me, uh, this was so good that three months later, I was at a match where it was copied. Oh, really? Yeah. This yeah. is about the time I start seeing, you know what I'm talking about? You know what? Um, if you just, I'll take a minute. I, about three months after this, I got to go down uh, to Dallas for the David Von Erich uh, Memorial event in Texas Stadium. I didn't Stadium. know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, there was well, a, yeah. There's number the second one. Not second the one. one. Yeah, this second was one. the second one. Second one. They had a match, a, a, a tag team match involving 12 wrestlers. Most of them are on these two episodes we're viewing today. Mm. Okay. There was, it was a, it was a, it's a 12-man tag, so six men per side. And whoever gives – now, it's $100,000 to the winning team, and I'll tell you who the teams were, but there's a car involved, okay? So was, one team was the three Von Erics that were wrestling at the time and the three Freebirds. That oh, was the it. team. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The other was, uh, was Chris Adams and Gino Hernandez, and uh, they had to throw Rip Oliver in there to round it out. But, you know, uh, Adams and Hernandez are frequent Mid-South. Had one man game, Dr. Death, and Kamala. That was the other six. Mm. So, you know, got Death and Kamala and, and uh, some of these guys just in this episode today. But it was a match where whoever, it was an elimination match, and then whoever gave the last pin also won this new Cadillac that's parked by the ring. Ah, okay, yeah. Well, the one-man gang always carried chains around him. So after the match, they lose. Uh, Kevin gives the, the winning pin. Wrestlers are still fighting. So gang's walking towards the car with his chain. And you think you know it's going to happen. But one of the wrestlers, and then David Manning, the referee, comes on, takes the chain away, and he's okay. walking away. And they'll show, I've seen it on replays now. I've, I've seen the, the video of Chris Adams sneaks up behind man and grabs that chain and he beats the car in exactly the same way. Just takes out the front windshield, nothing else. If you wanted to do a lot of damage to the car, 
you would have took Ted would have took the baseball bat to the hood and the roof, right? Yeah. But they're just taking out the window, you know. So just take out my window, we can get that replaced, right? So three months later, I'm watching WCCW mimic what just happened on this episode right here. That must have been quite so that, that um, I'm just looking at that second Bon Eric Memorial Parade of Champions. That must be quite that was Rick Flair and Kevin, I guess, doing double duty there. And Kerry did it as well, did he, in terms of um, one man gang of singles matches? What, so was that that 12 man after the, the those two singles? Or was that yeah, that it seems to be like it was. I think all of the wrestlers were involved in other matches that day. Yeah. I'm talking yeah, about exactly. they were. Yeah, they were. They were. They were. I yeah, think yeah. they all were, and that was either the last match or the next to the last match. Right, right. Um, right. Yeah, but they all pulled double duty that day. Yeah, yeah. That must be quite an incredible experience to be at that that's that show at the sort of oh. big Texas Stadium show because that was you know there weren't in terms of North American stuff you had some of the, obviously the stuff in in New York at Shea Stadium but actually stadium right. wrestling wasn't a massive thing in the early eighties you know obviously Superdome stuff but it wasn't right. it wasn't like a you know. A, I'm probably not putting this in the right way, but as in it, it, you, it was very an occasional thing and it was occasional by territory, I suppose. Very rare. It. Yeah. Very rare. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, what did you think of this, uh, this segment, um, Terry, with the, uh, with the car smashing and the electronic monitoring and all, all that good stuff? Just, uh, just wrestling gold. Yeah. <laughs> wrestling gold. And I noticed, you and Phil said, I noticed how he was zoned in on that windshield only. Yeah. You, know, you know, I was, as Phil's telling his story, I'm thinking to myself, it was easy to focus on the uh, windshield with the bat, with that chain. They probably had to be really careful not to hit yeah, anything. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess, I guess you can replace the windscreen relatively straightforward, but if you're smashing the other bits up, it's not going to be, not going to be quite so good as it really, but uh, there we go. Yeah. Just, I can't, if you listen to this and you haven't haven't seen this segment, go back and watch this because this was you know phenomenal. One of my favourites from the start. This is right up there with the, maybe even surpassed the Magnum CA and Mr. Wrestling Two Star. Um, just just phenomenal. Now from the April thirteenth, nineteen eighty five episode of Mid South Wrestling, and this aired back on the thirteenth of April, twenty twenty one, a long long time ago now. And Bill Watts, it's fair to say, was not in a great mood at this television taping. Now, I haven't done this for a little while, and not since Bill Watts' tirade following the departure of JYD, but I can't do this opening soliloquy justice. So here it is in full. This is Bill Watts' comment on the first Mid-South TV taping after the original WrestleMania. To tell you about it, the president of Mid-South Sports, Bill Watts. Bill? Boy, this should be another great hour, and we want to thank you again for inviting us into your homes. First, I want to make a slight commentary. You know, New York and Titan Sports and WrestleMania and everything that's been going on, they've been making a lot of allegations. They attribute, Vince McMahon has self-attributed the fact that he has caused a new renaissance or rising in wrestling. I want to tell you something. Wrestling's been on a roll since 1970, and everybody in Mid-South knows it because they've made it happen here. And we really appreciate that. He's taken a lot of credit for things that don't happen. But I want to say one thing also. There's athletics and there's showbiz. You know, Muhammad Ali was a great fighter. He was a crowd pleaser. He was so great that he could show off and still knock you out or whip you. A lot of great wrestlers are like that. That's what makes pro wrestling exciting. But when you take an actor and make him an instant wrestler, that's baloney. And I want to say another thing. Even mean Gene Okerlund has been in the ring in a main event in Minneapolis. I think when ring announcers can get in the ring, that's baloney too. That's why we'll never feature that in Mid-South. We have athletes in Mid-South that are two-time All-Americans like our first bout here 
Edgar Thomas, they start just like everybody else from the bottom up. We play no favorites. And when you're talking about showbiz and stars hanging around, I was talking to Dusty Rhodes on the phone the other day, and Dusty said, you know, Bill, remember when we were walking tall in Georgia, how the people hung around? And I can remember back in the middle 70s and right on up to now, Dusty Rhodes, when he was in New York, was with Bette Midler, John Belushi on stage when John was alive. He goes all the time to Willie Nelson concerts, Boxcar Willie. I know Jerry Clower has come right here on Mid-South. Jerry Lee Lewis used to go to the matches in Atlanta. A good friend of mine, Jeff McKay, who stars on Magnum P.I., He's a, he comes around a lot. The Gap Band, who live in Tulsa, come to the matches in Tulsa. ZZ Top and Dusty Hill are big fans in Houston. So I want to say one thing. Stars have been around wrestling for years because they wanted to be and the wrestlers wanted to be. It wasn't where somebody paid them to hang around. So I want to say one thing. We're going to stay right with what makes wrestling solid and a sport. Mid-South Wrestling. Let's go to the ring for the first exciting bout. So what did you make of Bill Watts' absolute hatchet job of WrestleMania 1, Mr. T, and even poor Gene Oakland uh, wasn't without, um, basically, the, the I can't even say the right words. I'm, I'm, I'm working on like four, four or five hours sleep for two nights. Basically, Gene Oakland got the wrath of Bill Watts as well, plus talking about celebrities going to matches for years and how it wasn't a new thing or when people had basically slagging off um, WF paying for them to appear. Uh, they were there back in the day because they wanted to be. So what did you think of this uh, Bill Watts opening tirade? Um, firstly, with your tightness, you can tell you ain't got kids yet. <laughs> moaning about that. That still know, sounds like a lion to me. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I'll tell you what, this was this was big, right? So uh, it, 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 they panned to the desk and straight away you've got Boyd and Bill. You know, Bill who's introduced us to the president. And he just, uh, you know, he... He's just sort of, I don't know, you could just see it. I don't know, something about it. I knew, here we go. He looks in uh, a bad mood, didn't he? I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know what it is. I can't. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's got New York, uh, Titan Sports, WrestleMania. You know, he's, he's, he's been, so everyone, everyone was sort of being listed. And like you say, poor old Gene Oakland got a bit of a battering. <laughs> um, you know, he made some points very, you know, wrestling's been on a roll since 1970 and, you know, athletics and showbiz are two different things. And um, you will, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it. This is the opening tirade. Oh, this yeah. Is, this, yeah. Is, this is, this was him setting his stool out. Um, yeah. And set it out, he did. And um, I, <laughs> I, you know, he had a bit of a name drop in with Dusty. Yeah. In there. And uh, I did, I did, I did try and write down all the different individuals um, you know, just a few little people in there, but John Belushi, little fact for everyone, that is one of my top favourite movies, Blues Brothers. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. Yep. And if uh, my wife had allowed me any sort of input into my wedding, then the band was going to be a Blues Brothers tribute band and they were going to come in, park up in the with the police car outside and come in, but... That got poo-pooed. Um, but, and the other thing that did also make me laugh is that he made that, he, he, he mentioned that um, he was a good friend of Magnum P.I., which oh, I really? quite liked. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, which makes you think, you know, maybe Terry Allen was like, oh, I'll just be Terry Allen. Oh, no, <laughs> I've got a friend called Magnum. You could. Um, so maybe that explains that. And uh, yeah, some great names in there, ZZ Top and all that. But that's aside, at the end of the day, he set his stall out here and it was, it was good. Do you know what? Actually, when he finished, 
given we've just spent the weekend watching WrestleMania, I felt dirty. <laughs> and I felt like I'd really let him down this weekend. Mm. I honestly did. And if you, and you know what, actually, if you, I don't know what you're going to say here, but now I've mentioned that, if you don't feel that way, then you will now. I mean, honestly, I, I just felt terrible. I was like, oh my gosh. I've yeah. gone and watched that. I've even stayed up. Bill, I'm so sorry, mate. Yeah, I'm the yeah. reason we're in this. You're in this state. <laughs> Stuart Roberts and Mark Dunderdale were back with me covering the May the 4th, 1985 episode of Guess What? Mid-South Wrestling. Uh, and there was a big old surprise and a huge angle that we chatted through. And Superstar Bill Dundee and Terry Taylor versus the Dirty White Boys up next. And just after the ring intros, we got a graphic on the screen that had the Mid-South logo and news bulletin underneath. And I actually said, oh my God, out loud and excitement about what was coming next. <laughs> So we cut to Bill Watts, and Bill Watts said in a, a, so, a solemn tone that, no, sorry, we, we we're not seeing Bill yet, so we've still got the thing on the screen. So Bill said in a solemn tone that he was sorry they had to interrupt the exciting main event tag bout. And then we cut to him in front of the wood panel background, which I believe is his home. He said they had a news update of such impact, they felt compelled to share it, and this has never happened in the history of Mid-South. So Saturday night at the fairgrounds Coliseum in Jackson, Mississippi, the NWA had commissioned a Power Pro Wrestling film crew to film the world champion, Ric Flair, and they stuck around to film the main event of the show, which is Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Kamala. So we cut to this, and, and Watt said the crew filmed the whole thing, uh, and they showed what he called a premeditated act of terrorism. And in ring, we saw Skandar Akbar struggle with Duggan, looking like he was trying to put something in his face. Duggan went down, and then there was a fireball. Watt said that Duggan was flown to a special burns unit by a private plane to see if they could save his left eye. Watt said it looks like they've witnessed the end of his career and they have no further update at this time, but will try and give us more info next week. Wow. Mark, what did you think of this breaking news, news flash style segment and the angle here? I really liked how it was presented with the graphic on screen, the fact that they interrupted the, the scheduled match uh, to, to give us this news. But something wasn't really adding up as enjoyable and exciting as it was. Um, I thought this show went out on Saturdays. So yes, I, I know May the 4th, yeah. 1985 was definitely a Saturday. Yep. So um, I don't know if it was a Saturday morning show or something. And he was, so why they'd have to cut in with something from seven days ago at this point when it hadn't been acknowledged in the previous 30, 40 minutes didn't really work for me. The only thing I could work out any kind of possible logic was if that show was going on the same time as this show, because um, I did go back and check the matches, and Randy Anderson, Randy Peely Anderson, uh, didn't referee any matches on this show we've just watched, and he was the referee for that match. Akbar, Kamala, and Duggan weren't at this match, so whether they were going out live at the same time, and Bill Watts wanted to give us an update from the other show. That well, might have made some sense. So the the okay. So this the, I, I don't. Uh, Stu, give me your th your thoughts on it first, and then I'll I'll follow up because I've I've done a bit of digging on this. Right. Well, I, uh, yeah. I've I, I I put I I put a question mark like scheduling, and I I wasn't I got a bit how it was all connected and stuff like that. That said, though, um, it did make for a very dramatic television. I, I did yeah. like it. It was something. It was something a bit different, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? And 
Um, and I picked up what he said about like a premeditated act of terrorism and witnessed the end of Jim Duggan's career and stuff like that. And, and you just think like, God, you know, you, you, I don't know if like how often fire, you know, fire balls or fire bombs, whatever you want to say, have, have, have been involved in that. But um, the, the next one, I, I can vividly remember fire was when Hulk Hogan lost to uh, oh, Yoko King of the Ring yeah. and the, and the, and and the the fire from the camera, which didn't really do anything. But I thought this, you know, it really looked like it had gone on his face, and it was it was mm. it was good. It was really good how it was filmed and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I just loved the I just loved the drama of it. I was so excited about it. I um I, I didn't really comment much on the next patch. To be honest, <laughs> but, no, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I I really liked it as well. It, it reminded me of kind of, and this is you know not, not you know happy memories, but you used to get. Um, you know, I can remember the 80s, some of the eighties sort of terrible disasters and things, and that was that's kind of how the way that you know normal television would be cut in with a with a kind of an old like you get breaking news at the bottom of a news channel now for everything. But back in the day before we had twenty four hour news, you'd, you'd be watching you know Coronation Street something, and it would be news flash and you know something awful's happened and that was what this was like really and we went straight back into the arena and the tag tag action was ongoing there was no comment from joel or ross about what they'd seen and that like you mark made me start wondering about the timing of this angle and why it was done like this in between tapings so i guess firstly this was this was done to give duggan an out for the tv title tournament the following week and he actually didn't work between the match with kamala and the 25th of may and um, the tv show aired the same day as the match but in most markets this TV show aired before the match. So in most markets, I believe this didn't air when this first aired on Saturday. Other markets had this on sun, on a Sunday and also they had a repeat. So I think, um, I think that this version of the WWE Network is the repeat version or this was the TBS show. And the TBS show at the, at the time was on Sundays, but it aired about four weeks after the local market. So this was in a a time just after the WWF had been kicked off of TBS. Um, Jim Crockett were on the Saturday 6 o'clock or 6.05 slot and Jim and um, Bill Watts was on Sundays for about three months. So it's all, uh, you know, a bit of a mystery, but an exciting one nonetheless, I think, in terms of that. But yeah, it's really weird that this taping 100% was before the match and in probably 85%, um, Phil and Terry could could probably say with more you know more definitive, but I've had some guests that got this got this show on a Sunday, but I think the majority of them were Saturdays. But I believe there was a late night Friday showing, so I suspect that that was where this was slot in. So I think, but again, interesting that WWE, I think WWE have got the TBS version to this because that's probably the easy ones they could lift out of the library, and that's where this has come from. Mark is with me again, looking at the July twentieth, nineteen ninety five. You know what I'm talking about by this point. Do I need to say it? It's grating myself. Looking at that, there's a very special music video courtesy of Joel Watts, the living legend. Um, we then got a new video on the Fantastics set to the song Tush by ZZ Top. So this starts with the boys topless by the side of the road trying to get a lift. They actually speak here in a wonderful moment saying they just need to get downtown as that's where all the girls are. A red car pulls up as if they're going to let them in, but cruelly they then drive off. There's some shots of them hugging the crowd and some in reaction. And I just want this to get away from the ring and back onto this road and find out what happens. Rogers and Fulton are then shown sta standing fully clothed in the fountain, fountain, singing along to the music. 
We then get some rather pervy shots of ladies walking by. Um, the guys seem to be dry. I don't know how, because they've just been in the fountain. There's a random pigeon shown and some more odd shots of ladies. And I'm shaking my head at this point, thinking that Joel has gone down in my estimations with some of these un, you know, unsavory shots. The guys are then chatting to some girls now and the red car is back and there's two ladies inside and they are motioning to our heroes and they're in, hooray. The red car drives off, <laughs> more ringside hugs and that's it. And now I, I looked up the lyrics to this unbelievable bit of songwriting from ZZ Top and the chorus was, I ain't asking for much. I said, Lord, take me downtown. I'm just looking for some tush. So <laughs> firmly ticking the category of both creepy and blasphemous, what do you make of this Joel Watts creation? Uh, I made a lot of notes. Let me go through them uh, <laughs> briefly here. They, they usually use pretty current songs for their music videos, uh, but this one was 10 years old in nineteen eighty. Was it really? How yeah. interesting, yeah. Um, the use of the word tush in the song is a double entendre because it is obviously a slang word for uh, buttocks, but it can also be known uh, as a slang word for luxurious or lavish. I didn't okay. know that before I looked it up. <laughs> Some tush-tush, uh, tush, apparently, they were looking yeah, for. On the WWE Network version, they used an instrumental track, which was, to be fair, very ZZ Top-esque, I Was thought. it? So, okay, so good. Well done to whoever did that edit. Um, I did write, same as you, it starts with them hitchhiking, shirtless. Um, <laughs> and they want to get downtown because that's where the girls are. Uh, they got mugged off by the red car. And then one of Joel's trademark techniques in these videos is having the wrestlers lip sync some of the song lyrics and they did that um in this song uh, i remember first spotting in the butch reed video where they did it uh lots of close-ups of young ladies um tushies and uh, a pigeon strutting around i believe you mentioned that <laughs> and then towards the end they're surrounded by a group of beautiful young women the red car from the beginning comes back and they ditch the other girls to jump in there which i felt like was a questionable move I think Joel might have had a lot of cheese the night before he recorded this one because there was something going, maybe something a bit stronger. But yeah, this was just, it was okay, but it was just, a, it wasn't one of his best ones, I don't think. The debut of a new character up next with Dan from August the 24th, 1985. Um, Ross said. It, 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 it. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to it. We'll get there. Sort of happens. Ross said right before they went on air, something very unusual happened. They received a videotape, a most unusual piece of footage. We then cut to a man sitting in front of a fire with his face partially obscured by a black mask. It looked kind of like the mask we've had to wear over the last eighteen months or so. And yeah. he said, "Welcome to the camp of the Midnight Rider." Few people have ever got to share his fire because he stays alone and he walks alone because evil has taken over the world. He then talks about how, how pure a silver dollar is and how he has the power to overcome evil. He went on to tell us that, that he, 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 sorry, he wants to tell us where he won't, sorry, crikey, he won't tell us when he'll be there or, or how he'll be there. Uh, we then got a bit of a special effect as flames came up and the camera zoomed in on the dollar. This was a tiny bit weird, also really brilliant and also really good fun at the same time, I thought. Um, what did you think of this? And did you look up who, who this was immediately or were you left guessing afterwards? Because I didn't so, get it until later in the show and I, I feel shame about that. But go, yeah, go on. So what I loved about it was so when, the, when, it, when, when we opened up, can I just say there's some new, there's some new clips in the intro? Yeah, oh, are there? So I've got a few people. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. Um, what I liked about it is, so it started off and like um, JR's talking and Joel's got this sort of fixed smile, you know, like when you're, you know, like your nan's asking to take a photo or something and you've got to go, yeah, cheese. And he's got this really fixed smile Joel has. And then when JR brings up about this video, he's just puts this like, <laughs> bit like you're in drama and it's like, right now, show me your concerned face. <laughs> and it's literally, I was just, oh, this is brilliant. Good old Joel. I, I love this man. Um, anyway. It goes to the video, yeah, and uh, yeah, the, the the Midnight Rider, um, which yeah, Jay was saying this has just been sent to us before the episode's aired. Um, as in, I think they they tried to position it a bit like you know in the recent weeks where, or the last few months where you've had the, you know, breaking news sort of thing, you know, like yeah. we first had with Duggan, for example. Um, do you know what? Like, it's pretty mad, isn't it? Like, it's pretty it's pretty revolutionary, isn't it? Like the whole build up video. Like we've just been, yeah. we've just opened here talking about CM Punk, right? And AEW have done a lot of subtle things. Yes, you know they've gone for the subtle route. The, you know, Darby Allen mentioning in Best in the World. You were telling me about Kenny Omega's T-shirt um, in a recent Dynamite that had Chick Magnet, which you mentioned. CM Punk has said that's what the CM stands for. Just tiny little subtle. You know, Rampage being called the first dance for his yeah. debut. It's in Chicago. <clears throat> Very subtle. But obviously, that stemmed from, you used to get these build-up videos. Um, you know, Jericho joining, you know, my favourite, Jericho joining the WWF. You just got the countdown timer every so often. So this is quite revolutionary, really, to start, like, just whacking, right, this is a video. You don't know who this is. And we're going to whack this video on of this masked man. Um it's quite groundbreaking um, and it was quite weird. <laughs> I mean, when he says he walks alone, if you didn't start singing the Batista entrance theme, you're lying. Cause I think he literally <laughs> said it and I was straight away. And I'm a walker, but I couldn't, I had to stop. Um, but yeah, I quite liked it. I quite liked it. It's a, uh, and I just think I liked again. I like more that like, the acting element of it. Like, it goes back and Jar's like, oh, "We were just sent this. We've just been sent this. Like we're going to show you what we've just been sent. Like it's like they've got some sort of like terrorist ringing through a bomb threat. Do you know what I mean? Like it yeah. just made me laugh. But yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> but going back to your last question, sorry, I haven't bothered to look who it is, and I still don't know who you're talking about. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for now. Another fantastic Joel Watts creation. Going back in time to September the 14th, 1985, and a man that I really miss seeing in my life on a weekly basis, Al Perez. Um, back from break, what said he had asked the fans who they would like to face Flair, and it was pretty divided uh, in their opinions. And then Watts then talked about the tasting title change a couple of weeks ago and said that Joel had prepared a video on Al Perez set to the song Winning by Santana that had got to the lofty heights of number 18 in the Billboard Hot 100 in 1981, which is a good year because not only did Santana get to number 18, but I was also born in that year. So this video, I'm just going to have to take a moment because I need to give this, you know, full the full attention it deserves because it was that good. And this started with some in-ring stuff, and then we had Al driving a lovely car. He brutalised someone, the belly-to-belly, belly I'm laughing already because I know what's coming, belly-to-belly belly suplex, back to the car, He's working out with some tight shots and those impressive muscles. There's some more in-ring stuff before Al was out for dinner at a fancy place with a lady. 
he got we got some more shots of in-ring stuff and seemingly not all in mid-south there's a few shots particularly one that was outdoors didn't look like it was mid-south um, back at dinner and our hero has ordered the best bottle of bubbly on the menu he's kitted out in a bow tie and suit and he's looking sharp we get a shot of the waiter pouring the bubbly as the catchy tune repeats i'm winning i'm winning we are also shown Al suplexing a dummy in a gym, which was just incredible. He's then swimming before some shots of him laying the smackdown on opponents. There's a shot of the moon out of nowhere. Al is dancing with this lady, and that's that. This was incredible. This was absolutely <laughs> incredible. One of Joel's like absolute top-notch. This was superb. Terry, what, over to you. What do you think of this video? Can, can we tag Jim Cornette and let him know that Kenny Omega was not the first one to wrestle a doll? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's right. classic. Mm. But here's the, here's the thing that I got a kick out of, and they do address it later, is the dude just is one half of the tag team champs, and they're showing him in a solo promo. Yeah, yeah. Himself. You know, it's like, why why not, you know, maybe have them both. Maybe have a double date. Uh, maybe have two dolls to suplex. But uh you know the fact that there's one it kind of kind of threw me up but, but i'm with you that's that's wrestling gold right there that's 80s wrestling gold it was it really was i, I guess the thing with that is they probably did this but i mean i've done some very minor video editing for like a jokey video for my friend's golf weekends and i can take and this is like on a mac it's, it's pretty easy if you don't know what you're doing you google it on youtube and you find out and it's like i'm talking about very like nothing effects to imagine to do something like this in the 80s this would have taken joel about three weeks to do this oh yeah so, so i reckon this was done weeks and weeks, maybe even longer with you know cutting and, and the, the old transitions and the cutting of the film and all that sort of stuff so yeah i reckon this was done when they're probably pushing out as a, as a single and before they they made decision the decision to go with the tag team and phil what did you think of this video oh absolutely what you're making all of that what what terry said about he made an excellent point it's a tag team, but they're showing the one guy here, you know, uh, obviously pushing out. But yeah, some of the video editing on that, there were uh, scenes where he showed uh, to the beat of the music through the same belly to belly to play three times in a row. Yeah. Incredibly difficult to do. Joe's yeah. obviously very talented here. This is very difficult to do. The uh, <clears throat> the uh, outdoor shot there, that was uh, Texas Stadium, WCCW. That was probably oh. one of that. That was probably one of the David Von Eric. A memorial yes. matches. Uh, so that with that outdoor, I recognize that stadium. I've, I've been there. I've been to that show. Um, but yeah, of course, Joel threw in a couple of the customary close-ups on the sweaty muscles, which which he he tends to do in his videos. Uh, I guess the shot of the moon. You know, they're trying. To, he's he's going back and forth between Venus wrestler and this romantic debonair man. He he obviously knows wine very well because yes. he can he can properly assess if the waiter brought him the correct bottle of wine or not <laughs> he's got on the tuxedo they never really showed the lady's face in this no. i was trying to you never saw who the lady was and then the shot of the moon i guess it's saying hey it's a bunch of romance going romance on factor is high here's the moon and now i think that dummy that might have been that i think uh they showed uh, dr death at one point working out at university yeah, of oklahoma yeah that might be the same dummy so that dummy's got quite the work out there so Good video. The godfather of the Random Wrestling Review, Ben Spindler, joined me in March 2022 to talk about a really important episode in the world of Mid-South Wrestling because it was the end of Mid-South Wrestling and an important announcement 
from Cowboy Bill Watts. And then Bill said that due to developments in the wrestling business, in two weeks, they would be changing the name of their wrestling show. Bill said the quality of the shows have been a great source of pride and the expanding universe of their television network through syndication. And with their stars working all over the world, they needed a new name and not a regional name that encompasses all of their progressive strides. And in two weeks, they would have that announcement. So what did you think about the way Bill set out this news? And I didn't know this was, I knew this was around <laughs> this time, but I didn't yeah. know this was coming quite then. So much here, man. So much here yeah. to talk about. Like I, first of all, I had, I thought they'd already done it. I thought mm. it, before, before I started watching this, I thought they'd already made the transition to be, you know, UWF. So I was like, Oh, wow. Um, they're, they're talking about it now all of a sudden. Um, and then, uh, then he kind of makes this announcement, but it's in typical sort of, and I don't want to be nasty, but kind of amateurish early eighties regional promotion style, which is kind of just thrown out there not yeah. really made any kind of a big deal of and also a little bit com confused because i think later on in the show or maybe in the following show he says and we're gonna announce what the name is next week or in two weeks i'm like so are you announcing what the name is or is the show changing it like, what is yeah. the, what is happening here yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, it was just all of that was really really interesting and i was thinking when is it that he sells the company it can't be like it's back um, in the year is it back end of 87 right okay I wonder whether or not that name change, obviously it was because they were expanding, but I wonder if the name change was more about increasing the value of the company as well. Yeah, I think that by uh, at this point he had, this was his last roll of the dice to go mm -hmm. national and they had a pretty good syndication network at this point, but it just wasn't the, the, the thing that, well, you know, who, who knows? He said himself on the show that the thing was, that killed it was the oil, oil economy town. So they just couldn't draw because, but then, how much of that is because the WWF is on, for example, in the show I watched last week, there was an advert during Mid-South for WWF at the Superdome with Junkyard right. Dog. Wow. So how much, exa exactly, massive, wow, in New Orleans. So how much of that is because WWF over here has got Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat and all of that jazz. And actually, if you really like wrestling, you've got the NWO with Ric Flair and Magnum and all those people over here, which, you can, which everyone could get at that point. So actually, there's not room for and you've still got awa like that's forgotten but you've still you still got, yeah, still got which, AWA. yep only three or four years ago was the biggest promotion in north america so exactly. it's you know and world class is still running at the time like it's a packed it's a and memphis is just down the road yeah and, and they're still able to pull crowds so it's just a packed wrestling business at the time it is not a lot of room to maneuver we world watched, class is still going on as well exactly yeah yeah, yeah we yeah. watched the 1986 saturday's main event just recently junkyard dogs on that show and you're looking through the talent and actually bob orton jr's on the show he was in uh, mid-south in early 80s yep um and you're just like thinking wow you know all these guys are over there um and they're going to get more so we, i know obviously a lot of this talent also moves over in the in the not so distant future and you're just like how could they survive really i mean they were trying to offer something slightly different i i get that they were trying to kind of they weren't trying to didn't feel like they were going for the wrestling audience either they just felt like they were trying to trade on something completely different which i give a lot of credit to to bill watson uh and the company for but yeah i mean it was going to be really hard so it it sounds like that it feels like to me you're right it's probably both a last roll of the dice and also well at the very least i've got to sell up this will make the the value of this company seem a little bit more because it's now not just mid-south this regional promotion it's yeah exactly more of a branding that makes it more international and he 
uh, from my memory, he because he sells, doesn't he? he? Actually, sells up to Jim yeah, Crockett. Yeah, he he was the smart one. Basically, he was he the was. one who said, "You know what? This isn't going to work. I'm going to get out of this while I've still got some value. I can still actually make some money out of this." And also, at a point where I'm not an enemy to anyone. So when he sold up to Jim Crockett, he didn't make an enemy of Vince. He didn't make an enemy of Jim yep. Crockett. Both so, of them, both of whom employed him later. Yeah, exactly. Later on. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The thing that there's a stat, and I can never quite get the the, the the years right, but there's a stat that always really interests me about Nash two national promotions making money, pro, making profit during the same calendar year. So obviously now we've got AEW and WWE, and they've done it. So pre AEW, mm. there was only four years in history where two proper national promotions made profits in the same year. I think it's eighty four and eighty five, maybe ninety seven and ninety eight. And, and that's it. So actually, yeah. all those years of WCW, all the shows that you guys review on the on the thing, every single year, even when there's like a good year, like a 90 or 91 or 89, 89 is one I'm particularly interested in with the Steamboat series and the Funk match. It's all lost, mate. There's more on the name change and the announcement of the Crockett Cup with Dan coming next. This is quite a momentous week, really, because Mid-South is no more. And the show opened with a recap of the angle with Duggan and Sawyer last week. And then there it was, the new logo for the Universal Wrestling Federation. And we cut into the newer version of the credits with shots of the Superdome and the large arena, the larger arena shows they do. So what's your, what's your thoughts on this name, Universal Wrestling Federation? So when we've been talking about it being UWF, I've actually, it dawned on me that I actually never really sort of thought about what the U was meant. Mm. Um, we've constantly over the last, what, probably what, the last two years, really, I've heard you talking about, oh, you know, it's going to be called that eventually UWF and it universal, it, it, <laughs> it makes it up because obviously it, the, the idea behind this whole thing is to go, is to go global, isn't it? Or go, go national, let's say. Um, yes. So, and it, it's always very apparent and very clear. So universal. Yeah. I sort of get it. Um, I get that. I mean, it, it goes, doesn't it? UWF, it goes. I mean, the logo is very, is very eighties, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, very like retro video game style. Like, actually, it, it reminded me of um this week. A friend of mine asked me if I'd down if I'd got this app, some ge- wrestling general manager app. Oh right, okay. And, and I downloaded it, and I mean, it's very technical the detail in it where in essence you make a wrestling show and stuff like this but you have to pick your brand and like the uwf would be like the uwf with the logo and the name would be like the ideal of like you know in it's like the british wrestling federation and then there's like it, it would it would fit very well in this sort of video game type um company um you know that the, the, that's trying to avoid calling itself the world wrestling federation well that that's it isn't it it's (laughs) it's very close to um do you know what i actually um it's funny you mention that because after um ben talked about um tew on the show a couple of weeks ago i did have a look at these these um these wrestling booking games and tew because i've got a mac was just i read about the first two lines of the instructions and gave up but I did, I did play a bit of Journey of Wrestling, um, which is basically kind of similar to that and, and seems to have a lot of people that, that play it, which is a desktop game. 
but I found it a tiny bit dull. I probably played it for an hour, but it's like I booked, I was booking AEW and I started, I made CM Punk champion straight away. Um, I think I made the Young Bucks Tate yeah. champions. And it was literally like next week you've got Rampage and you can book an angle between these two people, but and then it gives you points around how they yeah. it's just like there's nothing. Darby Allen asked me if it's been a main event. I don't know if I need to play it for a bit longer, but I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't massively feeling yeah. it, to be honest. It's not, it's not, I, I've played, a few, I've played AEW's one. Yeah. AEW have got a general manager game. Um, I just think you start off and it's quite entertaining. And after all, you're just like, all right, so I've just got to book it again, have I? I don't know. Yeah. I, you don't really, I mean, it sounds weird because I'll play, I'll play, sit and play football manager for hours on end. But I feel with football manager, you're playing different teams and different, there's different things being thrown at you. Whereas this, you're just booking a show. Again, well, it feels again. a bit like and because yeah. I'm not actually, and you're not watching the matches. You're not no. actually invest. There's no entertainment. Like, I'm not invested. It just tells you who wins. Like I don't know. Like or you will. In fact, you say who wins, don't you? So, well, like, yeah, well, you say wins. It felt to me a bit like playing Football Manager without the results. So like, yeah, you get yeah, to do everything. Yeah, yeah. You have to have a tinker around. But I, I, I will probably go back to it and try and play it for like another another hour and a half to see if the kind of enjoyment. Because anything that kind of piqued my interest was Darby Allen turned up, and it's just like obviously text. It's like, oh, I'd really like to be in a main event, please. And I found that quite amusing. <laughs> I was like, all right, you can be what in a main event. One, you're, you're what was this to, one called? You're losing to John Moxley. <laughs> so it was called Journey of Wrestling. Um, and there's quite you can play mid south and eighty five and stuff, but you have to pay. I think it's basically eleven pounds to get the the paid version, um, which I did, and then you can right. you can choose to get um, any rosters. But I haven't got to a point because I've, I've literally done one pay per view, one dynamite, one rampage. So I've not got to a point yet where I could I could like take over the contracts of any wrestlers or anything like that. So I think that would probably be more exciting. Right. And I think maybe I should have chosen a retro one. So I think if you pick like mid south eighty five or something. Um, I mean, that might have been a bit more fun, yeah. but I will, I will go back to it now. I've bought it, but I just didn't, in my kind of COVID isolation days, I was thinking, oh, I'll probably end up playing this for about 10 hours. After about an hour or so, I was just like, I'm kind of done with this. So um, yeah, but I will I will go back. Yeah. But going back to this name. So this wasn't the first time that the UWF name had been used in wrestling. Um, and it was actually used in Japan from 1984 to 1986. And this is a promotion that was formed by wrestlers who had ne who had left New Japan Pro Wrestling around that time. And it was a pioneer in the shoot style of pro wrestling. Um, basically, this was kind of the, the dawning of the modern era of J Japanese wrestling in that they went to clean, clean finishes and more realistic moves. So that all Japan and New Japan took a while to catch up with that. Um, but Bill Watts actually talks about this in his book. And he said, basically, in 1986, he decided to make a go of it on his own. And he knew he had to try and expand nationally or the company would die. Um, and it was important to not seem too Southern as we began this push. This is reading directly from the book. Um, the first thing we did was to move our TV tapings out of the boys club in Shreveport and into arenas to give them a bigger feel. And one of the worst parts of the change was the next thing he had to do. And that was let Boyd Pierce go. And um, Bill said he hated losing Boyd, but in the big national push, the syndicators wanted them to get away from the regional twang that Boyd had had. So he goes on to say basically that Jim Ross was not only an excellent announcer, but had become um, Bill's right hand man. So Jim was basically uh, basically replaced Boyd, and that hurt Boyd's feelings. Um, and then thereafter, um, basically Jim had established a, a really good national syndication network. So this is I don't know are you are you familiar with syndication? How that used to work in the states? <clears throat> Vaguely, it might be worth recapping for. So, so basically, so I think you covered um, you covered this at the, I think right at the start of the 
sort of when you start doing the pod and that's what I mean like I always remember you talking about what was going to go to UWF and started touching upon it I think you I think I always remember you sort of saying you'll talk about it more when it happens so well here we go go. right now (laughs) so so the thing and and, and Terry and Phil could explain this a lot better than than I could do um but basically in America now to an extent but probably more so back then it wasn't like our tv channel situation when we were growing up so you had channel one two three four four and then five when we were a bit a little bit older um, and all pretty much apart from maybe regional news occasionally would be different times pretty much everything was the same time on bbc one itv etc that wasn't the way it was so like the nbc affiliate in um, new orleans say for example would have different programs on it during the day than the New Orleans, than the NBC affiliate in New York and Los Angeles and et cetera. So you have all these little local localized television stations. So UWF or Mid-South as it was, wouldn't be on everywhere at 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning. Some place it'd be 11 o'clock. New Orleans, the tapes that we get is like 10.35 on a Saturday night, prime time um, or not. Right. Um, so, and that's the way it is. So basically the way that this syndication network would work is that Jim Ross would lit pretty much sell the physical tapes of the of these these television shows and that and the little local stations would air them whenever they sort of saw fit and there would usually be a barter arrangement for advertising so whatever advertising was bought during the, the body of those shows was split 50 50 between the rest of promotion and um the television station but actually around this time quite a lot of the companies wwf included had to pay the local stations to be on with their with their WWE superstars and stuff, whereas obviously now um, in this day and age they're getting huge money for their content, so it's very very different then, and that's why you hear sort of talking talk about um, just in the s- southern states and some of the places that that mid south would be on sort of television ratings of you know two million people watching this every week, but what now obviously you know that's that's double what AEW does most weeks, but you know it's it's a, yeah. it's a completely different television landscape. Um, so basically, Bill goes on to say that. Um, they replaced Mid-South Wrestling with the Universal Wrestling Federation. They were trying to do what Vince McMahon had done two years early, earlier. Uh, and Jim made deals with stations and changed the way that they arranged their contracts with them. Um, and they talked about the barter system and how they used the barter system. Uh, and they got to keep seven or eight minutes of the time to pl- time within the body of the show to plug local, local interviews in their house shows. Um, and basically, Jim, tr- Jim wants to try a new way of doing it. And he and Bill had talked about basically an experimental per inquiry system where UWF got to keep some commercial time to sell, which became a moneymaker for the company. And they talk about moving the operations to Dallas as well at that point. Um, so that's it. That's, that's, that's the UWF. So, so we're, we're here. Um, I don't mind the name. This is probably going to be a slightly odd comment. I think the initials sound better than Universal Wrestling Federation because for some reason, UWF is yeah. less like <laughs> WWF than the Agreed. Universal Wrestling Federation is. Why is that? Yeah, I don't know. I agree, though. I think yeah. UWF works really, yeah, actually, not really well. I quite like it. Mm. Um, I do, but it's well, interesting, like you say. It is very, it is fairly close to WWF. You know, if you same with same with like you know, you got WWE. I don't know. There's something about AEW that always, but the E bit always just gets me. Like I don't know. It's like quite a strong link. Yeah, not yeah. that it stands for the doesn't stand for the same word like in uwf this the w and f stand for the same thing um but in aew the e doesn't mean entertainment or you know as per jericho this week who knows but that um 
yeah, it, it, there's there's just that link there. But then I guess, yeah, at the end of the day, World Wrestling Federation, he's using, you know, you've got the W in there. You've got to have wrestling in there anyway, right? Well, <laughs> it, he's, it, I it think is he, interesting that... Yeah. It, well, I was going to say, it is interesting that they all... That, that back then, Federation, like, when you think about it, why did that... <laughs> Like, it had to be fine. It had to be Federation. Like, There's you don't get that in many other. No, it's FIFA. No, no. It's, it's FIFA Federation. But that's about the only yeah, one I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's weird that, like, days like you don't know, <clears> it's got to be Wrestling Federation. It can't be wrestling anything else. It's got to be a Federation. Yeah, it's weird. Like, what's, <laughs> what's closer? What's a closer ripoff? Uh, UWF to WWF or uh, Monday Nitro to Monday Night Raw? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the nitro is <laughs> that, that's nuts, isn't it? Really, it is a bit when you think about it. Monday night nitro, Monday night, yeah. So, we're back in the myriad of this television taping, and Ross talks about what we had in store, including the one million dollar tag team tournament in the Superdome, the Crockett Cup. And Joel said that while the UWF may be a new name, the action that people have got used to is not going to change. Joel said that Bill had traveled to Charlotte for a press conference. And we cut to a close-up shot on the trophy and then a photo of Jim Crockett Sr. And in the background, a voiceover talked about the tradition of excellence in the NWA and the announcement of the Superdome for the venue for this event, with many other cities allegedly having bid. Interestingly, um, uh, Jim Crockett Jr. and Bill Watts really didn't like each other at all. And obviously, they're the two main promoters of this, so the, the promoter of the kind of key and only real remaining NWA stronghold. Um we then got a shot of, I can still feel my voice is very like, I don't know if this is coming off, but I'm like very, very, no. the listeners are going to enjoy it. It's very phlegmy in the, in the throat box, uh, voice box nice. department. Yeah, nice. very nice. Um, <clears throat> we then got a shot of James F. Oshust. I don't know if I've done a good job with that. Who they called the chairman, <laughs> chairman site location. I had Oost. I had Oost. Oh, Oost. Okay, that's probably more like it. Um, and he was standing yeah. behind a, a, a basically stand with microphones on it the nice first annual Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup banner in the background. He announced David, Jackie and Francis Crockett, along with James Jr. Mrs. James Crockett Senior was then shown from another location, sporting a lovely pearl necklace. She was... <laughs> I wrote these notes a while ago, so I'd forgotten that I'd written that down. Um, she said that she was very honoured to have this tag tournament named after their family, and she wishes the event to be a big success. She said she looked forward to possibly having the next year's event in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, we then got Bob Johnson, the executive vice president of the Superdome. And in case you didn't know what stadium he was representing, there was a huge black and white photo of said dome in the background. He talked about the Superdome having hosted Super Bowls and various other big events in the driest manner anyone has ever said anything. Back to James F. How do you pronounce it? Oost. <clears throat> uh, oh, well, that's how I went for Oost. Oost. Back to James F. Oost. Oost. <laughs> and he introduced Robert yeah. Garner. I still can't get over that pearl necklace, actually. I need to pull myself together. Um, who said there would be 24 <laughs> tag teams in two rounds of competition. The first round in the afternoon of the 19th of April and the final round in the evening on the same day. We got phone numbers for people wanting tickets in and out of Louisiana. The NWA have passed over the seeding process to Pro Wrestling Illustrated and up popped Bill Actor with a phenomenal comb over and he announced the top 10 seeds, which I did start typing out. And then I thought, I'm not going to be a mug here. I'm just going to take a screenshot of uh, the YouTube version. 
So that's a thrilling look behind the curtain for you as my mobile phone goes off. I'm not going to answer. And the top 10 seeds were the Road Warriors, Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA, Midnight Express, Rick, Fla Rick Flair and Arn Anderson, Rick Martel and Dino Bravo, the Rock and Roll Express, Tiger Mask and Giant Bubba, Ivan and Nikita Koloff, the, the Kiwi Sheep Herders, as they were called here, and Ted DiBiossi and Steve Williams. And this got a golf clap type response from those in attendance. Um, shall we, we talk to off air? Do you want to ask your question at this point about these seeds? Well, well let me just get on to the, get me get to that. So first and foremost, <clears throat> one thing that, uh, if I go right back to the start here, when the credits hit, did you like the bit where it said Bill Watts presents? Like yes, a very, I did like it. Yeah. very nice little cliche. <laughs> and then it obviously used the old theme music but with new images, which also I noticed some of the images had women, like as in women wrestling, in which uh, it's a sign of the times. Yes. Um, they haven't had women wrestling on the show, but I'm, I no. guess, yeah. Um, and then obviously, there's, as you said, it cut to Jim and Joel in a very much like a pay per view early WrestleMania commentary position. Yes. Uh, sort of out with the fans high up. Um, sort of gave it a real big, big event feel. Um, I did then find amusing. So he said, we're going to cut to a press conference with Bill Watts. And then it stuck on the picture of the trophy like it was a talking trophy for about a good minute. <laughs> um, so then you then find out that that's not Bill talking. It's Mr. Oost. Oost. Um, Oost, it wasn't, so it wasn't even him anyway. Um, yeah, I did. I did. I did pick up on a bit where the city's bid it like a, like the Olympic build up. Um, you know, this this city has won the thing. Then, like you say, I think you just worded it there. Allegedly, uh, I, I I just went for who, which other cities. Um, then obviously, you know Mrs. Enough, Crockett was Dan, obviously um, when they announced when they announced where um, WrestleMania three was at the Pontiac Silverdome. There's a bit where Gene Oakland yeah. is talking about after receiving bids from many other stadiums around the world, including Wembley Stadium in London. It's like that definitely didn't happen. All you've done there is you thought of the famous, <laughs> I think it was like Wembley Stadium in London and that yeah. Azteca Stadium in Mexico City. It's like that did not happen. That it's just happen. picked two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I also thought it was funny that it's the first ever one and Mrs. Crockett's main comment is, Hopefully it's in North Carolina next year. As in, like, <laughs> she's already she's already disappointed with the selection panel. Um, she's like, I don't want to have to travel to New Orleans, but yeah, yeah. There we go. and it's just it's just and it's just you know of all the cities that bid, it's just cause what a stroke of luck that the city <laughs> that won is where it's already recorded. Like, oh, it's just just coincidence. I sh I'm sure. Um, as you said, all the crockets were there. I, little things that made me laugh. Were the, I don't know if you noticed, but the conference the conference was taking place at the the, the Ramada Inn. Oh, was it? No, no. <laughs> and in downtown Charlotte, and also for those of you to watch The Office, when uh, uh, David Brent quite famously says that you can fax him, he'll pick up he'll pick the fax up at the Ramada Inn, Reading. Um, <laughs> I just pictured the Ramada Inn in downtown Charlotte is is not is not is not uh, is not as glamorous. Um, oh, I think the Ramada in Charlotte—it's probably more glamorous than the Ramada in Reading. No, the Ramada in Reading. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I must admit, but how how they filmed it at the start as well look made it look like a press conference. As in, if the camera panned out, you'd see rows of journalists. Oh, but then when Bill comes, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. But when Bill comes on, it's just like they're having a. I've just got like it looks like they're more having like a team meeting, like when you're <laughs> at work, and they're like, right, everyone get in there. 
it's anyway, an L-shaped to- uh, tables, isn't it? Basically, yeah. around it. Yeah. 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 Um, but in regards to the teams, obviously 24 teams, my first thought was, is there enough? Um, however, have it, once I saw the 10 teams, I see that these are tag teams from across the board, if you know yes. what I mean. They're, they're not necessarily Mid-South tag teams, so therefore you've got enough for 24. Secondly, I just thought, so they've let Pro Wrestling Illustrated pick it. I mean, can you imagine the outcry now <laughs> if they allowed Pro Wrestling Illustrated or Dave, Uncle Dave, Pick oh, the top that would be the, that'd be the worst. Could you imagine if it was the Uncle outcry? Dave, Twitter would break. I think. Oh, it might, it'd be I incredible. Just, oh, the Dave Meltzer uh, tag team cup. I hope. Yeah, perhaps that's something for the future. Oh, um, but I must admit, I took a screenshot of that ten. What? A, what a ten tag team yeah. that was. It's very star Absolutely brilliant. And we fast forward all the way through to August the 9th, 1986. That's a special birthday. Sarah Collins, happy birthday. About two people that listen to the show might get that reference. Um, yeah, and what we're going to talk about, we're talking about a video, Joel Watch Creation, on Ted DiBiossi and Dr. Steve Williams, set to James Brown's Living in America. Um, speaking of Joel Watts creations, Ross then prepped thrown to a new Living in America uh, by James Brown video on Dr. Death and Ted DiBiossi. Um, so various in-ring shots of the two with lots of flag waving and flag carrying. Uh, big thumbs up by a kid at ringside that was a highlight of the early going. Um, the second highlight may have been the kill the commie for mummy. Kill the commie for mommy? Kill the commie, is that how you'd say it? Mommy? Would that be how you mummy. say mummy in America? Mummy. Well, it was, it was you don't kill- say... But Mom. it was it was it was kill the commie for mommy m o m. I know they spell mum m o m, but yeah, I'm not yeah. sure how PC that is. But given what's going on in Russia at the moment, we'll we'll keep that in. Um, more in ring action. Hayes shown being blasted by Diviosi. He jumps in and beats down Kochenko, signing the crowd saying, "Doctor Death is number one. Can I be your nurse?" Naughty. Um, this was okay, albeit very long. Um, but I always prefer the out of ring stuff, so just clips of moves. And I really wanted to see like DiBiossi and Williams at their local disco or something rather than this. And what did you think of this second Joe Watts creation of the hour? I was like, yes, we've got another one. It can't be, it's, this has got to be, it's got a theme tune. It's got Living in America from the second best Rocky film there is. You know, this, is, this oh, has got everything. No. This has got the lot. Um, little, little fact for you I've seen, I saw, God rest his old James Brown live. Did you? Wow. What was yeah, that? He, support, he supported the Red Hot Chili Peppers in Hyde Park okay. in, oh gosh, a long time ago now. Um, That's a random support act, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But he literally played a couple of tunes. Um, yeah, so a little little thing there that I, I've done that, I, you know, people can't do anymore. Um, I mean, it's just a clip of punches and clotheslines, really, which is a mm. bit of a shame. But I'll tell you what, Def and DiBiase are firm baby faces now. Yeah. What a yeah. change. That is like, I know we see people change, go from baby face to heel baby face. That was a huge, they were like proper heels last oh, year. Oh, big time. Big like, time. now they are proper over. And to, and to how good was, it. Isn't it? Yeah. And to yeah. Do, have the nuts to do, do them to living in America, given the patriotism in, in the States, mm. you must know they're over because you yeah. can't be doing that willy nilly. Um, right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to have seen a few cheesy disco moves, but again, going back to DBS, this guy's the the nuts, and I think he knows you ain't you ain't doing that to me. No, no, fair enough. Eighties fun. 
episode we had on the bottom of the screen, UWF video break. Let me talk to you what we've got here. Very Rocky Four vibes here. Steve Williams looking angry. Ted DiBiase holding the flag. Williams hulking up. A bloody DiBiase punching someone. Steve Williams waving a flag. Williams with his arm up. Victorious. Uh oh. Not a politically correct sign in the crowd. Big American flag. Some lovely jabs for DiBiase. Ooh, we've got... Ah, Williams coming out. I can't remember the guy's name. One of the old Russian wrestlers. He's wearing to have a team on. His name escapes me. He's battering him. Williams is with his own flag. And that's the end of the video break. I don't know about you, but I want more video. Skipping forward now to UWF The Final Year, episode two, and we're in February of 1987 in the world of the Universal Wrestling Federation. Phil Segal is with me, and we start talking about the sale of the promotion and also the departure of Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I'll Jumping ahead. Watch a bit. I'll get with Eric. We'll make sure you get him on. Yeah, that, that, that'd be great. Just, just going back, I mean, jumping forward a bit, but there's there's something right at the start of one of the episodes that we'll, we'll talk about that was obviously a significant thing. But fast forwarding, do you remember when UWF was bought out? And what did, did was it, uh, and obviously clearly back in 1987, Les, Wrestling Observer was around. I don't think the torch was around back then. There were some magazines and stuff. When when do you when did you become aware? Because we really are right at the end of this as a what promotion at this point. Do you remember when you became aware right. of this sale? Um, I tell you what, back then we weren't privy to all the business aspects. Yeah. Right? We didn't have things like TMZ or an owner. You didn't know who the owner was. We had no idea all through the years watching Mid South Wrestling that Bill Watts was the owner. We thought yeah, he was announcing yeah. and on the, you know, his his kayfabe role was, you know, he's on the board yeah. of director. So really all these territories they just disappeared they just vanished or yeah. they changed now obviously black black saturday when when vince mcmahon showed up on georgia championship wrestling we realized something drastic had happened yeah but we weren't there wasn't like an announcement or the day after it happened we're seeing it on the television news or anything so yeah. um you know it's it's later you start hearing stuff so it was was quite different as far as what she knew about the business back yeah then. i guess one of the one of the things that may have sprung up and we'll see this is probably some faces and again I, i'm not sure this would have just thinking about this and if i was watching at the time and i had no access to any 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 outside material at all or knowledge i think one of the things that i would have seen but not thought too much about was the, the different faces so obviously there's going to be some different faces on this show um quickly yes yeah yeah exactly and, and some more of the sort of nwa talent but before we get there, um, there's quite a big, um, you know, big announcement. Also, Sorry, go also, when these new faces showed up, quite often, we didn't realize they were coming from other territories. Yeah, yeah. Now, in my area of the country, attending these matches, we were very aware of Georgia Championship and world-class wrestling, uh, yeah. world-class championship wrestling. If they didn't come from there, um, Oh, I've known them. Would they've been on cover one of the magazines or something? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I guess I, I would be really interested in, in, in knowing if any of the APTA magazines covered this in any detail at all. But again, I guess 
because they were kayfabe, weren't they, those magazines? So I wonder how, I guess there's a way to do it, but well, how you do it, I don't know. I have plenty of magazines from 1987. I'll dig through and yeah, have a I look in. Um, have a look in May. What it'd be May, June, or July '87. Because I'd be really interested to know if there's anything in there that is that is um, related to this. Because I wonder how they would put it. But there's a, I guess there's a way to there's a way to tell this story in a kayfabe way, isn't there? That you know the management of Mid South or UWF Mid South Sports has changed, and now Jim Crockett sure. is going to be managing it along with NWA. So I guess they could have done that. So I'd be really interested to know if you if you've got anything on that. I'll be very like screenshots or anything. I'll be really fascinated to know because I've got I've got the observer from that time. Um, but you're only talking about three or four paragraphs, and they don't know a lot. They really don't know what a lot about the, the deal or what's going to happen either in terms of the yeah. you know the way they'll do the TV afterwards. And at that time, I was completely oblivious to the sheets, like like the observer. You know, I had yeah. no idea those existed. You know, yeah, we just yeah. did matches and watch TV and and. Um, talked about it to the friends we knew and hit it from the folks we knew made fun of wrestling. Yeah, so. exactly. And, <laughs> and I, I know that for a long time, um, the observer wasn't Meltzer couldn't make a full time living out of that. So in terms of the, um, uh, what do you call it when it's a uh, public, um, parky circulation is the word I'm looking for. In terms of the circulation of that publication, then that was tiny, like absolutely tiny compared with what it would be, you know, five or six years or 10 or 15 years later. So yeah, there just wasn't that many sources for these, um, for these, uh, for these newsletters. And I think actually not to make this a history of the wrestling observer, I think Dave got a job in an, in a, in the national newspaper, uh, with okay. Frank DeFord, De um, which was, was a sports, was a sports newspaper. Right, going back to UWF. Um, we start our show today with a very rare review of Power Pro Wrestling. I think we've only ever done one Power Pro before. And that was from February the 7th, 1987. And uh, we went straight in it and got a promo from Bill Watts announcing a one-night tournament for the UWF Tag Team titles at the Cowtown Coliseum. And the champions had been Hacksaw, Jim Duggan and Terry Taylor. However, Hacksaw had lost a series of loser lead town matches against the one-man gang in Fort Worth, Kansas, Little Rock, Jackson, Mississippi, and lastly, Houston. And that was it for Duggan and the UWF. He was yep. gone to the World Wrestling Federation where he debuted on Valentine's Day. This must have been a crushing blow for Watts. Um, you know, Hacksaw, what a star he was. And, you know, what a loss to promotion he would have been at that time. That's the beginning of the end. Yeah. 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 Really. Yeah. That's the beginning of the end. This opening here where Bill Watts is, he's, that, uh, we've discussed this before, like when he had broadcast from his home, the cut, this wood paneling was very luxurious back yeah. in this time. This was modern. <laughs> this was very modern. Uh, the Cow, the Cowtown Coliseum, they show pictures of it next to the Fort Worth Stockyard that is still there to this day. Yeah. They still have a rodeo every weekend inside. Wow. It's the first, it was the first uh, place to ever have an indoor rodeo. Um, and they still have a weekly rodeo. Billy Bob's is next door too, which is billed as the world's largest honky tonk. Wow. Which is okay. back then when you go back and listen to country music and, and line dance to country music. That's been and on the that show, place. that honky, that place. That's been on Miss yes, South absolutely. Television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, back when he'd have like uh, Jerry Reed on Mid South Wrestling or something, would talk about him, Jerry. And then, um, you know, my first ex exposure to wrestling uh, house shows was at the Oklahoma City Stockyard. So mm. I don't know, but it was just something. It was just a totally different atmosphere than what they've evolved into now. Big shows, multiple television cameras, 
everybody's dressed sharp, you know, in yeah. tuxedos is totally different. To, matter, matter of fact, Stephen, I, I reminisced this past week as I was rewatching these two episodes. Now, you've been doing the podcast on Miss South for two years. Uh, so it started in it started in December 2019, and that was right. and I started with October 1983. So we're okay. now in February 87. So right. I've done oh. what three and a bit years of, te of television now. Yeah, right. So, but obviously, uh, you know, you, you didn't start at the beginning, but it you're covering sometimes multiple episodes a week. So yeah. I was thinking when I, with this, this opening scene reminded me when I saw that stockyards from the stockyards I attended what for, for mid South wrestling for the time I started attending, I was too young to drive. I was mm. a young teenager. By the time we get to these episodes, we're going to review today. I was married with two children. I hope you're all keeping your emotions in check as we get towards the end of this lovely look back over some of the highlights of the podcast over the four years that we've run it, specifically talking about, obviously, the Mid-South and UWF stuff. Mark Dunderdale was back with me uh, for an episode that came out on the 14th of May this year, 2023, uh, UWF The Final Year, episode five, and this was centred around the one-man gang versus Big Bubba Rogers UWF title match. We also chat a little bit about the sale and probably some other tangents in there as well. To the Universal Wrestling Federation, because this is a really interesting show that we're about to move on to. Um, and this aired on May the 2nd, 1987, and this was the first television episode taped after the sale. So this would have been, so Bill Watts wouldn't have been at this taping. This would have been Crockett representatives. I have looked at uh, a kind listener provided me with um, some PDF copies of Wrestling Observers from around this time. Um, thank you very much to him, um, whose name I've forgotten. So you know who you are. But there's not much in there about this sale. So there's no, there's no, you know, you can imagine if this was now that you do have all the inside information around this person was running the show. This was, so there's no, I don't know anything around, you know, what was going on. But Bill Watts, I know, was not there. Um, and this started, this um, this show started with a video package to hype up the one-man gang's UWF heavyweight title defense against Big Bubba Rogers. And it, it was set to Sammy Hager's winner take it all. So this was from the Sylvester Stallone, um, Sylvester Stallone over the top film about arm wrestling. Is this one that you, are you finding this on your shelf as I'm talking about? It is it? on my shelf somewhere. Yeah. I just can't see it now. Yeah, I've seen it. It's, it's uh it's not among Sly's best work, but it is what it is. Terry Funk was in it, so it's got a rest. Oh, really? I've only yeah. seen it once, but I don't know if you, you're the same, but I feel like I can't, if I've only seen a film once, it doesn't really take a place in my memory banks, really. Yeah, yeah um, definitely, I'm like that. Yeah. So I, I just remember that he, Sylvester Stone was a trucker in it, and he used to do like arm curls in the truck, didn't he, I think, was the thing. That's he right. Some yeah, sort of like, yeah, weight sort of system. Um, so this show was coming from Muskogee, Oklahoma, um, it's interesting to think, you know, what what must the atmosphere have been like without Bill sort of leading, the, you know, leading the charge? Um, and Jim, but Jim Ross was there, and he introduced John Ayres, who I didn't know uh, prior to this, um, and he said we'd see one of the biggest matches ever. Uh, Ross then introduced Ayres, who was a former NFL uh, player and winner of the Super Bowl twice, and he was the new commissioner of the UWF. And the match sign was the one man gang versus Big Bubba Rogers, uh, the future Big Boss Man. And uh, one of my gang's future tag team partner in WF as well, which uh, came to me while these two were having a match. Um, 
So Rogers had been working for Crockett under the Mid-Atlantic banner prior to coming into the UWF in mid-April. Um, Eddie Gilbert came out and cut a surprisingly babyface promo that I found really, really odd because um, there was no turn at this point that I'd seen anyway. Um, basically saying how much he was looking forward to this match and he, how he tried to shake Bubba's hand. He wouldn't do it. This is really strange. What do you think of this whole opening, including the, the video package for One Man Gang? Yeah, the, the video package was just seven or eight different versions of his 747 splash. There was a couple of them coming off the second turnbuckle and, and there was a caption that read, the Universal Champion defends his title. So I thought that's a, that was a good start to the show. Um, you mentioned the song that played over it. That was by um, Sammy Hagar and it was a brand new song. The film only came out in February of 87. So they were up to date with the music choice there. And um, I believe Sammy Hagar was also a tongue-in-cheek nickname of an AEW tag team a couple of years ago when Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager teamed up. Ah, um, yes. By the way, by the magic of editing, you'll have heard that song just before Mark comes in. So you can go back and listen to it again. Now you know what, uh, what it was. Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind when they announced the match was uh, presumably it's heel versus heel. And that was very unusual for the time to see it on TV in a world title match. Uh, I think it'd still be unusual now, actually. Um, yeah. The, the earliest high-profile one I could think of was Shawn Michaels and Rick Martell at SummerSlam 92. I can't think of many in WWE before that time. No. So this was sort of ahead of its time. And, and I did make a note, like you said, about Eddie Gilbert. Um, he magically appeared at ringside. There was a very quick cut. But then uh, he seemed to be acting a bit more baby than usual. And I, I wondered if I'd missed some turn somewhere. No, I, I don't think so. So this this show did lead into the one um, the last week. So there's not a gap. So I, yeah, I, I, unless it, unless it happened on Power Pro Wrestling, but I, it's just it just felt very very strange. Or whether you know, I could always almost imagine someone coming in and just saying, "Oh, we want you know, we want, need some babyface here. We're just going to turn yeah. Eddie, and this is going to be the start of it." Um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right about the the, the heel versus heel. Um, and I didn't think Rogers got a particularly big response. Um, but, I, but I also wondered whether people didn't really know who he was. Um, yeah, because, he was new to the territory, wasn't he? Yeah, because I, 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 you know, they would have, people with the, I'm guessing by this time, most people would have, have, have had the Superstation. So they've had access to, I'm not even sure it would be called WCW Saturday night at that time, but some sort of wrestling on Saturday night. Um, but how much this guy would have been featured, I think, you know, it's potentially limited before this. Um, I think my, he first came on my radar, not at the time, but the earliest I've seen of Big Bubba was um, in 86. He was still just um, Jim Cornette's bodyguard. Yes. He, he was like a second for Jim Cornette wrestler matches, Midnight Express or whoever. So as far as him being an active wrestler, I don't know how long he'd been a big deal elsewhere, but he was certainly brand new to the UWF. Was he involved in one of those famous scaffold matches? Yeah, the one where um, Cornette was the one who took the bump and he was yeah. supposed to catch him. He didn't, and Cornette blew out both his knees. Ah, uh, yes, uh, he yeah. He missed a lot of time through that. Yes, yeah, scaffold matches are not the one. Um, Ross, as you'd expect, was at his brilliant best putting over how big of a deal this was. Uh, and the crowd did get into it as these two huge guys tried and failed to knock one, one, over, another, one another over. And as you mentioned, Ross did actually say on commentary that Bubba had been the bodyguard of Jim Cornette and also done some mercenary work for J.J. Dillon and the Four Horsemen. Um, so, you know, as we've said, it, Ross clearly alluding to a checkered past and out and out pretty much positioning him as a heel. Uh, Bubba was busted open just under three minutes in, but fought back as the crowd got more into him. Um, Bubba actually hit an Inseguri, which was pretty impressive. 
Um, Gang then also bled just over five minutes in. I wonder what people would think about this blood on a Saturday lunchtime with their kids. Because it's a bit nuts, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. It, it, like you say, the, the TV spot it had, it was unusual to go that far in the yeah. daytime. Well, yeah, so, and certainly there, there, times have been different all over the place. But in their traditional markets, this is you know this is a Saturday morning show. Uh, they went to break just under six minutes. Uh, we got a French rope bracelet and then a grating insert promo with the now former tag team champions Adams and Taylor. This is really interesting, actually. So while I, I don't want to pay too much attention to this while the match is going on, um, basically Adams and Taylor had lost to Steiner and Sting in the Omni in controversial circumstances. Ross said he was sorry it had happened, but there must be de better days ahead. Taylor then said quite brilliantly that he didn't hold it against Adams that he got pinned. It happens to everyone. Adams said he wanted to ask a question. They've always had each other's backs and interests, and he still doesn't know why they lost. He thinks they should go over the match. He doesn't want to, things to slide or, or you know them to fall out. And Taylor said he doesn't hold it against him. It's in the past, and they have to move forward. Uh, and Taylor said they were just going to spice it up going forward, a bit of singles and a bit of tags. And I can't stress how good Terry Taylor was here. Um, it's like he's had a personality transplant from some of the kind of cheesy babyface promos he used to cut. Uh, what did you think of these two here? Yeah, I, I enjoyed this uh, for the same reason you did. Um, I thought it was terrible timing cutting away from a dramatic championship match to do this. But, yeah, uh, they did that, so fair enough. But I've always uh, I've always liked a well executed slow burn tag team split um, where the dynamic between the partners becomes a little off and. They're trying to act like everything's fine, but you just know one of them is eventually going to turn on the other. And uh, I remember the Rockers doing that storyline over a few months in 1991. Edge and Christian did it 10 years later, and um, there's been others beside. So, I, yeah, I, I think Taylor was, was really on form with acting like everything's fine, but you can see through it. Yes, absolutely. Um, back to the match. Skandar made his way to ringside as Ross questioned why he wasn't out there earlier. Um, Gang sounded like he'd half killed Bubba at the nine minute mark with a huge clothesline before he went up to the second rope and then missed a splash by about half an hour. Um, the referee was somehow bumped during this. Uh, Rogers then hit an illegal splash off the top rope for the win and new champion. And, and crikey, I've completely botched the most important thing of the whole thing there. Rogers hit an illegal splash off the top rope for the win and has become new champion in just over 10 minutes of TV time. The crowd erupted for this. Um, as Ross talks about him winning the most coveted title in wrestling today. Um, some of the work left a lot to be desired, uh, but this did feel like a little bit of history right here in the opening match of the Crockett UWF era. Um, and this was almost it for the one-man gang in the UWF, as he would debut in the World Wrestling Federation a mere 10 days after this title change aired. What did you think of this title match and the switch here? I actually really enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it more than you did. I would, first of all, I was surprised to see going on first at the start of the show. Um, in the introductions, Big Bubba was announced as being 350 pounds, but when you saw them face-to-face, -face, they looked to be very close in size. So I don't think uh, One Man Gang was the 500 pounds that he was claimed to be. 150 pound weight difference, they looked about the same to me. Um, there was parts where, I, I mean, I liked the look of shock and confusion on One Man Gang's face early on when Rogers barely moved after um, being hit with a running shoulder block because pretty much everyone else one-man gang had hit with that move previously. It had gone down like a sack of spuds, and, and he held his own there. So I enjoyed it. Uh, there was the double blood, like you say, but just before cutting away to commercial. Um, Skandar Akbar was up on the apron, which will 
we'll get to that in uh, towards the end of the show. There's more involving him. I was a bit confused about what role he was playing in this match. Um, the only part I, I didn't like was when One Man Gang was stuck in the ropes. Uh, that's when Big Bubba suddenly lost his intensity and urgency. And I assume he was a bit blown up because he started taking very long pauses between his shots. But um, yeah, big finish. You, you don't see many 300 plus pounders coming off the top rope now, let alone 36 years ago. Um, so I enjoyed it, but I could have done without them breaking it up with a uh, Terry Taylor and Chris Adams promo. And so to close off this look back over some of the, uh, the funnest moments or perhaps you would say the worst moments in podcast history from UWF The Final Year, Episode 8, is the Terry Taylor Press Conference. Enjoy. Right, here we go. Afterwards, Dusty Rhodes was shouting something about Ric Flair. Uh, we got a package been beating people up, blah, blah, blah. Terry Taylor was here, finally, and he was going to answer some questions. So here we go. Terry with Eddie Gilbert off the side Thanks, said, thanks for coming. And he was there to answer some questions. He said there were a lot of grey areas to cover. And he threw to Dennis Brent from All Pro Wrestling Magazine, um, who, who looked like he was sitting there by himself. He said, <laughs> didn't he? I was, the editing on this did actually make me really Oh, my laugh. gosh. Yeah, this is was, this was quite something. He said they'd received thousands of letters about the Chris Adams situation. And he wondered whether there was any chance they could sit down and talk about it. Terry said, that was a good question. A lot of people have asked him the same thing, but he felt Chris had had an attitude change. Exactly. Uh, th then someone uncredited called Edward asked about Gilbert's role in his attitude change. Uh, they conferred and Taylor called Eddie his guiding light and he got him motivated in a positive way. No more hanging around with negative influences. Tommy was next. He said he realised his feelings for Adams, but why did he treat wrestlers like Cox and Douglas in that way? Taylor said, why do I treat them like I do? Um, have to say, <laughs> I, I, sorry, Justine, about this. Have to say, and apologies if any of the chaps are listening, but it does feel like they got together a group of local perverts to play the role of wrestling journalists here. Sorry about that. Yeah, but that is true. <laughs> this looked like a crime it watch lineup, didn't it? It was so it? funny. Yeah. It was so funny the way they had cut to them and they just sat in the chair yeah. and there's no one around them. And then suddenly they're cut back to the same chair. Yeah someone else sitting there it was so honestly it did make me chuckle yeah i'm afraid these guys were i thought that um uh terry taylor though his answers were quite good yeah they, they were, were very good. calculated and very hill like and very um yeah i thought his, his i thought that his, what he said was very very good but the yeah. whole segment just made me giggle it was <laughs> it was quite something and i i, I hate to say about the guy way, because... that probably was quite impressive because you don't really see things like 100 like, percent you wouldn't see the fact that they've got a special room just to ask questions and stuff that was probably quite corporate yeah this was definitely different and, yeah 100 uh ross asked taylor where he'd been the last five weeks and said it was about time we heard some of the truth taylor said it sounded like ross was questioning his integrity he said he was sick of everyone taking pot shots at him he said they're all going to be down there and he's going up and then he left uh, ross then said they had more time for the press conference and called adams up he said he didn't know what happened to taylor uh, Taylor then came back into shot and smashed Adams with a chair and said, this is my press conference. No one takes my time. Um, Adams was busted open uh, and this as Taylor was led away. I, Adams was saying, why did he do why? it? And, and I why? knew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? It was incredible. like, no, he just literally, why? Why? <laughs> yeah. Why? Why did he do this? Why? It and was then so good. He and he was like, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> 
It was amazing. And you could hear Taylor say, let's go back to the matches. Um, I thought, because obviously you're not, you're not seeing, this is the, your first entry to it. Taylor's been so good that I actually expected more from him here because he's been I mean, so incredible. I, mean, I thought he came yeah. across all right. Yeah, he was good. He, he was good. He was a good, solid heel to me. Yeah, like, but, and I thought that, and also a very calculated heel, and I kind of like that, not like yeah. a chicken chicken shit hill but yeah so i i yeah i thought he, I, he came across and i really liked eddie gilbert as well yeah see taylor and i've mentioned this in the show before he has reminded me because because he was he was kind of like still a baby face but healing it up massively and he right. really reminded me of the rock in the early nation days with farouk Right, so you know okay. when they were like supposed yeah, they were yeah. supposed to be friends but the rock was like not really being yeah it was kept taking over and then yeah, like, yeah yeah you're the leader but i'm really the leader he's been so good um basically the i thought the the beat down afterwards press conference was what it was uh still very good but maybe i thought i my expectations were too high i love the beat down afterwards uh in, in real life taylor actually didn't wrestle at all between june the 7th and august the 3rd so i suspect he was injured uh, any more thoughts on this whole whole thing before we move on i think we said what it is i tell you it's quite dangerous using that sort of chair isn't it <laughs> i did think big time yeah <laughs> yeah we welcome to Mid-South Moments, the final. Stuart Roberts, Mark Dunderdale, Callum and Dan. How are you all doing, gentlemen? All shout at once, my favourite thing. Still left out, not wearing a Christmas jumper now. I think well, Dan's, that memo. Dan's not wearing a Christmas jumper, so I wouldn't worry yeah, about that. Yeah, but Dan really turned out. I'm just <laughs> in a normal clothing, like the ordinary person. Dan, Dan is wearing anyway. an Ultimate Warrior bodysuit at the moment, which is uh, which is very, <laughs> very fetching. Now, all of you don't know what you're in for here, other than this is going to be a watch-along of the last UWF show that exists, albeit... There isn't that much that we're actually going to talk about UWF, I'm afraid. There will be a couple of things. Has anyone watched the show? Has anyone on the, of the of the four of you watched the show? No. Yeah. No. no. Have you watched it, Mark? Uh, I started it and uh, I can't be asked. No, fair enough. Because there's literally probably there's probably one bit, two bits I want to play out loud, and one bit that I want to talk about. But other than that, we're going to be doing our own things. Now, as you you can hopefully see on the screen now. There's the four of your names listed in a random generator. Can you see that? Yeah. 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 It's actually recording. I hope so, because it would be. Yeah, it is. Right. All, all, all professionalism here as we end this podcast. Right. So I'm going to draw you in order and I will explain in a moment what this means. OK, so you ready? So, oh, sorry. So, Mark, you're going to be first. You're player one. Um, so ignore that, because obviously, Mark, you came out first, but I didn't put you all in. So Mark is player one. Dan is player two, uh, Callum is player three, and Stuart is player four. Okay, so what we're going to be doing this evening is we're going to be crowning the guest host ultimate king of Mid-South Moments. And the winner gets a Pro Wrestling Moments or Mid-South Moments t-shirt of your choosing, um, which you can get, and I believe it's redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash mid-south moments if you want to check out some of that stuff i just did that off the top of my off the top of my memory so what you're going to get we will play the show in a second um but what you're going to get you've each got three questions which i've randomly put together there are some tricky ones in there one of them is about mid-south one of oh, them about, is about 1990s wrestling and one of them is about modern day wrestling also within the body of the show you're now in your pairs. So Mark and Dan and Callum and Stu, you'll each have a match to commentate on. So you have to commentate on the match as you see it. 
and the and the winning pair of that gets two points. So each question right is one point. Each the best commentary team both get two points, and the winner of the points overall will win and be, be crowned the guest host ultimate king on Mid South Moments the final. So how are you all feeling about that? All feeling good. Yeah. What did you say? Apprehensive, yeah. Mark? Did you say? Yeah. Right. Okay. I think I'm happy about the commentary round, but the knowledge, nah. No. Yeah. I'm the I I'm mean, the vice versa. Oh, you're you're well, you're. Mark, that's going to work an absolute treat then. So, Mark, you're <laughs> you're concerned about the commentary <laughs> round rather than knowledge round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, can you all see now? I don't. I don't think I want to make this full screen because it's so it's so um, pixelated that we probably. Is how does that look on everyone's screen? Is that okay? Or is that is yeah, that yeah, okay? yeah, looks good. Yeah, fine. All right. So yeah, that's fine. Fine. What we'll do, even though I can't actually, I need to see the. See, this is the problem with doing doing things live. Actually, I'm going to use it on that. Actually, if it's okay, because I, I need to see the counter at certain times. So I know it's a bit small, but for your commentary, you're just going to have to have to deal with it. Why it won't go back to the start? I don't know. Right. If anyone on planet Earth wants to do this and watch the episode while we're talking about it, then you're very welcome to. I'm sure there'll be hundreds of you that take this opportunity. So this final episode aired on Boxing Day, 26th of December, 1987. And if you search for it on YouTube, it's very easy to find. UWF 1226-87, final episode. So we're going we're gonna to hit the play button. And Mark, get ready, because your Mid-South question is coming first. Now, clearly, as this is a podcast, we don't want any dead air. So you, I'm not going to give you very much time to answer these questions. It's got to be rapid fire, okay? okay? So, right. So in three, two, one, I'll start the episode. And I will dive in as on occasion when we're going to get some stuff that I want to uh, I want to play. So apologies in advance for the very rude interruption. So three, two, one, and the episode is playing. So Mark, you are up first, Mid-South round. And your question is, who was the second Mid-South television champion who's the second miss south television champion um i'm gonna guess magnum ta incorrect terry taylor was the second mid south champion i'm afraid so moving on from there player two dan your question is the junkyard dog leaving the promotion in 1984 sent shockwaves shockwaves to the territory but who did he defeat in his last mid south appearance in the Superdome. So not his last appearance overall, but his last in that famous Dome Stadium. Who did he defeat in his last appearance at the Superdome on June the 16th, 1984? As we get well, in ring at the moment, we've got a Lex Luger babyface turn, FYI. So, yeah. That's not so, a clue. That's not a clue, no. Um, that's not a clue, no, I'm afraid. Well, I mean, I have no chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, who did I used to like? Adrian Street. No, I'm afraid it's Butch Reed. So I wonder if no one's going to get any questions that. right. Yeah, you should have got that. L long time feuding with him. You probably so, yeah, reviewed it. I'm sure. I'm sure we probably did. Yeah, I'm sure we probably did. Let's hear what. Let, I'm just gonna just gonna test the sound quickly because I want to play the mid south. Yeah, we don't need to hear. We don't need to hear Lex Luger. So as soon as I click on that, it's playing out loud, which is good. Right, just before we hear the UWF theme music for the final time. Uh, who's player three? Callum. I'm not yeah. sure your Mid South knowledge is going to be any better than the other guys. Is it really? Maybe worse, perhaps, potentially. I, I, I might surprise everyone. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Well, you've got a testing. Surprise one, myself. <laughs> <laughs> you've got a really hard one, actually. So I can only apologise. Oh. So six men held the Mid South North American title for more than 250 days. 
Can you name three of those six people? And you can have one life here, um, so you can get one wrong. So can you name three of the six people that held the UWF title for over 250 days? 250 days? 250 days, because one held it for 250 days exactly. So I'm looking for wow. 250 or more. To play okay, the... can I go Magnum TA? Can I say that? You can, you can say that, but it wouldn't be right. So that's your life, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my word! No. Brutal. This is brutal because then I'm I'm just blanking on everyone that I've ever reviewed before. I mean, there's I a feel... really obvious one that if you don't get, you should be really ashamed. I would say Terry Taylor. Pardon? Is that Terry is Taylor? that Terry Terry Taylor? That's you're out. I'm afraid out oh. two guesses. Bill Watts. I honestly gave it. Ah. Oh. So do you want to know that? Do you want to know the six? So we've got Bill yeah, Watts with eight hundred and fourteen days, which is shocking considering he was in charge of creative. Ted well, Di- I can see why. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay. Ted DiBiase five hundred and seventy six days. Yes. Dick Murdoch three hundred and seventy two days. Yeah. Ernie Ladd two hundred and ninety three days. The Junkyard Dog we just spoke about two hundred and eighty six yeah. days, and Mister Wrestling two was two hundred and sixty three days. So that's a that's a, a superb start. Now, Dan, uh, sorry, Stu, you're the last person in in uh, first hey, round. Well, are I, you going to get? Are you going to get the only point? Are you going to get the only point? Bank on it. Right. So here we go. Bill Watts's last professional wrestling match took place on August the seventeenth, nineteen eighty six, and it was a six man tag. Can you name two of the other five people that were in that match? And again, you get one life. So it's a six man tag. On August the seventeenth, nineteen eighty six, and you get you get a life. So you could get two out of five here, which I don't think is all that difficult. As we see on screen at the moment, while you have a little think about it, Stu, we've got the NWA World Tag Team Champions Arn Anderson and uh, Tully Blanchard. But um, okay. basically, they're talking about Luger being booted out of the Four Horsemen for a reason in Miami. Got taught a lesson. Blah blah blah. Any answers, Stu? Uh, um, Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Yes, that's one. That uh, is well, one. I'd have, have to go with Michael PSAs there. He's done. He's only bloody oh, done it. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. only Front. bloody done it. Wow. I'm so impressed. I, I think I, I don't. Mark. Mark will tell me. I'm pretty sure we reviewed that episode, but I might be wrong. That possibly, is possibly. Yeah. That is very, Dick very Murdoch, good. Is he in it? What's that? Sorry. Dick Murdoch. He was not no, it was um, it was Bill Watts, Steve Williams, and Ted DiBiase uh, versus Buddy Roberts, Michael Hayes, and Terry Goddard. If you get the ho- if you get the um, the free birds right there, then you're you know you're on you're on to a winner. I, I hadn't expected the first round of this to only take four minutes and fifty three seconds. So um, is that you a concern? No is that a concern? Considering we've got another fifty three odd minutes of it, and the last twenty minutes is all one match, so that's going to be good. Uh, how is everyone feeling on this? Uh, what are we? What are we say? The January the fifth. Did everyone eat too much at Christmas? Anyone got any workout kind of regimes to start the new year with? Callum, I know you're you you like your yoga, don't you? And you had yoga earlier on. So how was that? Yeah. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of any. So I'm normally quite good all year round, actually, but. Christmas is the time where pretty much everything goes out the window. Like I yeah. use December as I hardly do anything, eat as much as I want. Like Mondays, I can still have like carbs, things like that. I don't care about any of that. Um, oh, so you don't usually have so- carbs on Mondays? <laughs> I don't, just normally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I, I, I need to find myself a challenge this year because normally I challenge myself like a physical activity to do 
um, by by the year's end. And I've not chosen one this year. And it's probably too late to say I'm going to train for a marathon that happens on the 31st of December. I don't know. But um, what, what, yeah. what have you had in the past? Well, last year. OK, so this time last year, there's a there's a hill near me. It's actually quite famous locally. It's called Jacob's Ladder. And, and you walked up a hill. Walked up a hill yeah. No, 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 no. no. So yeah, yeah. Like, I'm with you on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's like, it's like 250 plus steps and I can now sprint up it. Whereas when I moved in here, I couldn't do that at all. Um, Are you still like near Dar? Are you, is, it, is that Derbyshire, Jacob's Ladder? Oh, no, no. I'm down south in Surrey. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's sorry, in Surrey, Hills. Stu. Come on, oh. with that voice, he's not going to be in da- Dirty Derbyshire, is he? <laughs> I'm sure. No, I'm, met... I'm, sure, I'm going to have to Google now because I'm sure there's something in Derbyshire. Sure, there's a there. couple of Jacobs lying we met around some, somewhere. Uh, when I went to Iron Apple in 2008, we met some girls in the sea from Derby, and we were like, "Where are you from?" And they were like, "We're from Dirty Derby." <laughs> like, yeah, fantastic. Uh, on screen now, if you can see what's happening, so they're advertising for the Nassau Coliseum show at. Um, the, for Bunkhouse Stampede. And basically, if you've got 39 mates, so you plus 39, 40 people, then you can get a free bus trip to the Showboat Casino in Atlantic City. Do you think they sold a single one of these? <laughs> 40 people. I mean, this is ridiculous. Dan, what do you think? Do you think they sold any of these? You're on mute, I'm afraid. Deary me. Let's, let's, be, let's be honest. If we had, I think we would do it. Yeah. I, think, I think we've done it. There must but be can... groups of blokes that are like, "Come on, come on, let's do it, let's do yeah, it." Do you know? I don't think I know. I, I, don't, I definitely don't know forty people that would like wrestling, so I'm not but sure how think, that. Oh, would... Do you think you have to? You have to book the whole coach. I think that's what it is. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Know, 40, so you have to get forty of your friends. Yeah, for you plus thirty nine. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That can't be right. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you know what? Before we, before, because there's something I want to play at nine minutes and 30 seconds, and we've got about a minute to go. So before we do that, we're going to go back around to Mark with your 1990s question. Mark, you ready? Oh, yeah. So Steve Austin's first WWF pay-per-view match was versus who? Savio Vega. Well, Mark, do you know what? I hate to tell you this fact, but I thought it was that. And then when I saw the answer, I thought I'm going to have to keep this in a stitch someone up, stitch someone's up, stitch someone up. So if you guess what I'm where I'm going with this as of yet, why it's a stitch up? I can guess what pay per view it was, but I still don't know the answer. So it's a trick question because Steve Austin's. You got it, Stu. Stu's got it. I you think don't I know get, it. You don't get an extra gonna, point. Go on, go on. You say what you. I'm going to look a bit of an ass clown now. Forget it. Wrong. No, no. Go on. Did he not wrestle Yokozuna on a? Um, like a, a dark match before a pay-per-view no that was yeah, later. that was is later it, is it a trick question because it's like a raw rumble or something it's a raw rumble exactly right it was in the it was in the 1996 oh. raw rumble i'm so sorry mark but, and i didn't know who's going to get that question i do feel bad uh that you got that. so you I, should yes yeah, so, right <laughs> let's let's hold on what do we think about let's let's all pay attention now to the show that we're supposed to be reviewing let's listen to this and he'll tell you a different Christmas story every day. You'll find out how to get a whoopee from Santa's Christmas collection. And part of the cost of your call goes to Special Olympics. So call Santa at 1-900-660-6666. But each two-minute call costs $1.85. So get your parents' permission first. Okay, Simon, we're off to our next stop. Merry Christmas. 
Christmas. <laughs> so call Santa on a premium rate number. I'm not sure that's all that wholesome, really, is it? Would you say? Sorry, what was it about the Special Olympics or something? Is it, well, yeah, it's just PC in this day and age. Yeah, uh, yes, but yeah, 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 yeah. They do sort of Special Olympics you now. That. Well, no, no, no. I'm, so, I'm well, you know, it's the end now. So, um, I yeah. mean, I, what I was getting at was that they were do, basically charging kids money to try and call Santa oh, yeah. up, was basically my point. But perhaps that was better left out of the podcast in hindsight. But obviously, as we'll watch along, there's no edits. So, when I was, Steve, when I was younger, uh, my father used to get the NASA website and they do a Santa track. You okay, track Santa, and that like prolonged my belief like a year or two <laughs> longer than how old were you? About 15 when when you it was about 17, 18, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Next 17, 18, lovely. <laughs> right, next question. Daniel, it's you yeah. now. Uh so what's by the way, what is this lady advertising at the moment? Rascals. Uh she's yeah, she's advertising Rascals candy, the candy that breaks the rules. And by that I presumably mean all safety rules, and they're gonna they're gonna rot your uh kids teeth. Um this is a concert here. Joe, I'm gonna play the second uh Stu to see if you know who they are. I've said that guy's name on stream, I couldn't work out the font. Who's that? Who was that Stu? You only got a snippet of it. I've got no idea. Uh, uh, I thought you'd be inclined to say somewhere like maybe a rainbow or a white snake or someone like that, but I'm not sure that they would have Megadeth supporting them. So uh, <laughs> um, I know it. Yeah. Um, you know it, uh, Mark. Who was it? It was Ronnie James Dio. Oh, I've got no, I've never heard of them in my entire life. Yeah, this he was is... in uh, the Tenacious D movie. That's when I heard of him. Right, Dan, your your 1990s wrestling question now, uh, as we've got probably about 30 seconds until the first commentary challenge. So quickly, after WrestleMania 6, the Ultimate Warrior vacated the Intercontinental title. Ultimately, Mr. Perfect was the next champion after winning a title tournament featuring eight men. Who did he beat in the final of that to- title tournament? Jesus Christ. Um... I don't know if he was wrestling at that time, mate. <laughs> Mark and Dan, you're up on the commentary, which is the match after this break. So get ready. I've seen that. Get ready. Get ready. Do I have to answer this quickly? You do have to answer it, yes. I'm going to time you out. This is the match. So go straight into it. Right here. Dan and Mark. <coughs> Tito. Can I do the commentary and I'll answer it? No, it's, you, your time's up on that, I'm afraid now. So you've got it wrong. It was Tito Santana. You should be commentating now. Uh, yeah, there's a guy in a blue uh, body stocking and Stinger just leaped from him. So welcome everybody to the final episode of UWF. We've currently got a man in a blue leotard. Mark, what do you think about him? Uh, Mark, you're you're Jerry the King Lawler in this. That's what I was going to say. You should decide who you play Uh, by play in this. When are the young ladies coming on? Uh, Well, they'll be on soon. (laughs) You're disgraceful. You're disgraceful. Actually, I've seen you Mark in one of these costumes before, have I not? That was a a private evening, Dan. I'd rather you didn't mention it on the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and you've also had many women looking like Sting tonight with that luscious long blonde hair and the yeah, blonde mullet. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a kink. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got a collar and elbow tie up that he might have or might not. Um, and he's he's hopped him over and slam. Oh, nice. Yeah, big body. What do you think of that? You had a few slams in your time, Mark. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got no comeback for that one. Uh, the referee <laughs> just uh, stood in between him for no reason and backed up again. I didn't oh, think that was that take quite such a dark turn, really. It was all, all about niche sexual antics, basically. But yeah. That's what wrestling is. Um, 
Right, um, so now uh, we've got Sting. You, uh, he's been really tested by this this young talent in blue, don't you think? The blue yeah, there's ranger. a bit of back and forth there. It's not a uh, a foregone conclusion, this one. I can see Sting dropping the fall eventually. I'm, I'm not I being serious there. Stinger Splash. Stinger Splash. You don't come back from a Stinger Splash, do you? Absolutely not. I, this Sting kid looks pretty good. I don't What's know. What's he going to call this movie? I, well, I know what it should be called, but... Yeah, like I said, I'm not. I'm useless at commentary. So uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think a fair. Throw me because of that Steve Austin question. I'll be yeah, brutally I'm so, honest. With you. I'm sorry, Mark. A fair effort, but we'll have to wait and see how Callum and Stu get on to see who gets the two points there. Just, uh, um, just, just don't go along the lines of your co-commentators a pervert, and you should be okay. <laughs> yeah, this was <laughs> probably best, nothing yeah. to do with the match at all. <laughs> right. So the only person that's got a point so far is Stu. So we move into question three. And I think that you might get this, Callum, but I'm not 100% sure. So in what well, month... 90s is still like, you know, my sort of old stuff. So, you, you know, yeah, bear that we'll in mind. See. We'll see. We'll see if you've got it. Uh, in what month and year did Scott Hall debut on Monday Nitro? Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, what month? Oh, my God. Okay. I think that at least two people on the call know this. <sighs> WCW, right? So Mo yes. Monday Night Nitro. Yeah, this is incredibly oh, am frustrating. I gonna say, am I going to say 90? Oh, obviously 90. Um, it's two years. Oh, I'm going to go for it. I think it's too late, though. Is it 97? Is, is that... The the question was month and year, so you're going yeah. 97. Yeah, 97. And what month? June. It was May 96. Well done. Oh, damn. <laughs> okay. Mark definitely knew. I suspect Stu knew as well. Dan, did you know? No, I knew it was a Monday, though. No, right. Okay. <laughs> Stu, can you go two up now with your 90s question, which is, what was the last North American pay-per-view wrestling match of the 1990s? What was the last pay-per-view wrestling match, North American pay-per-view wrestling match, of the 1990s do you know do you know was it do you know oh, i can't think what the title's called this do is, you know. there was a degeneration <laughs> x pay-per-view i think in december 99 i think i can't remember if it was called degeneration x though well you're gonna have to i can, have to, yeah, I can visualize it i can see it i can yeah I'm gonna have to get. I've got a five second countdown now. Five. Yeah, I'd have four. to say that. De I'm sure there was a pay per view called Degeneration. Oh, it's a match. So it's a match. I'm I know it. Oh, the match. So, so, yeah. Sorry, I thought it said pay per view. Go on, no, a match. A match. What was oh, the wow. last you, North you... North American wrestling pay per view match of of the 1990s? That was the yeah. That's the question. As was Lex Luger's on screen now, and I was gonna wear uh, this, but it was so dull. I just can't be bothered. So I yeah. know the pay per view, but I don't know if I'd know the match. Right, I'm oh. gonna have to press you now. Uh, um, uh, I'll say um, uh, Chris Jericho versus The Rock. No, Mark, what was it? Um, Goldberg and Bret Hart. Yeah, it was. And I'm afraid there's no passes in this game. So at the end of round two, it's still stewing the lead with one point. And are are the rest of you disappointed, Mark? I feel like you've not had the best luck of the draw here, really, have you? <laughs> But there's still well, there's still questions right. They're just not mine. Yeah, there's still time. Was that still match time. Uh, where Goldberg injured Bret Hart? Was that, yeah. that, was that match? What was the pay per view then? Starcade. Starcade. 
yeah. Mm. Yeah, that was the one, Callum. Yeah, that's where Brett got mm. on the... Wow, yeah. Yes, and this quiz is going by a lot faster than I imagined it in my head. So uh, what, 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 what else can we talk about? Should we go into the next round? If you've got uh, any subjects, go on, Mark. you got a well, subject we should talk you about. You asked about um, what sort of Christmas and New Year we'd all had. And yes, Callum yeah. mentioned what he'd been up to. I thought Wrestle Kingdom was a bit crap last night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be night to start off. It would be yesterday morning, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I suspect it probably will be crap. Sonada and Naito in the main event. I mean, come on. And you've got, the, I mean, the only good, I mean, they've got Danielson and... Uh, I can't believe Oxley uh, was bleeding. That was, yeah, that I know. Was my, uh, I, I literally said, let's not talk about present day stuff because uh, we'll be out of date like I am on some of the other podcasts. But I don't, at this point, tw- 20 odd minutes in when I thought this quiz was going to take the whole episode. 18 minutes in, actually. And I thought this quiz was going to take the whole episode. We're, we're struggling a little bit, if it's fair to say. Uh, uh, what's Stuart, your... I, I can fill in a bit there. Go Stuart, on, go that, on. That, that DX pay-per-view was uh, December 97. Yeah, uh, well, okay. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Sha- Shawn Michaels, Ken Shamrock. Yeah, the first pay per view after Montreal. The last yeah. WWF pay per view match of '99 was uh, Vince McMahon versus Triple H, wasn't it? I yeah, believe. that's the one I was thinking. It's Armageddon, wasn't yeah. it? I've just I've it, watched yeah. that not long ago. Because yeah. wasn't that wasn't the DX one where Aaron Hart come out and attack Shawn Michaels? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, I've not noted down the time for the second uh, commentary challenge match, which is also a good thing. So let's move on. I have got it. I've got it in my notes. So it's a, it's a real great match. Um, okay. So moving on to our last round, we, we, we're at far quicker than I thought we would be. Mark, Before we do that, gonna... Stephen, this is Go really on, interesting. So on. I'm looking at your, you've got like suggested videos next to you there. So obviously there's a bit of wrestling thrown in. There's a I spent 24 hours on board an Indian bus, and I can see you've watched that. Watched that one, and then I stupidly challenged a golfer to a cra- and and that's the one out of any of them I probably would have think you would have watched. What about this Tell one, about Stephen Hendry? Hours. How a cue is how a snooze cue is made. Uh, I am I don't remember it, but I have watched it. I am reasonably obsessed with two things on YouTube which are uh, golf vlogs, particularly fond of Jimmy Bullard, uh, his stuff. Ga- Gary from <laughs> Geordie Shore. I keep saying to Charlotte that I'm going to go on. Now, Gary from Geordie Shore is single now, and he does golf, lads golf trips. Oh, my God. Gaz Gaz's golf tours. Yeah, Gaz Beadle. He plays off like five he's, now. I really want to go on. He's a good golfer, isn't he? Yeah, he's a really he's good unbelievable. golfer, isn't he? Yeah, he's unbelievable. Yeah, so yeah, good. yeah. I absolutely love him. I just I bought a polo shirt because he's brought out a, a line of golf stuff, um, which I bought a polo shirt of the other day. So, yeah, I just absolutely love him. But, yeah, that's... Uh, he's, but, he, he's blessed in golf and blessed in the trouser department by all accounts He is, well, yeah. What was so, it? The yeah. parsnip, I think it was. Parsnip, wasn't called? it? Yeah, yeah, the parsnip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that you've gone. Is it, is it the parsnip? You know full well. <laughs> right. As a, as a quick warning, as a quick warning, your commentary match. So, uh, Callum and Stu, your commentary match is after this break, and it is Ronnie Gar Ronnie Garvin and the Mighty Wilbur versus Curtis Thompson and Bob Emery. But uh, so I'm going to ask this quick question. We've got a, we've got about a minute before I want to play a very interesting. Um, uh, advert maybe it'll go down as well as the first one i did so this is a question for mark i'm not sure whether you're going to get this mark or not oh. it's not really in your wheelhouse and Thanks, i feel mate. like i might stitch you up again yeah. um so who had the shortest reign as iwd iwgp heavyweight champion of the 2010s the the, the shortest reign i think you can guess this to some of the main people that have been around and i put this in 
maybe because I think Callum would probably know this. I think I feel if you thought about it. Yeah, uh, Mark. What, what are your what are your th- have you got any uh, sort of uh, thoughts at all on that? I'm gonna say maybe he had a quick one. Um, uh, Kota Ibushi. Was Callum show the answer? Um, 2010s, right? Yeah, so 2010 to the end of 2019. I'm just trying to think who I, who got some in there. No, no. Like so everyone, I'm thinking, yeah, go on. It's the Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, reign oh. after he beat Omega because he lost it straight away to Jay White. Oh, well, let's, let's listen to, the, okay. to this lovely advert. Okay. Homeless kids, there's special programs too. Someone's really nostalgic for this advert, though, somewhere in the world. Yeah. Think about that. It looks awesome being a homeless kid. Look at the awesome. I just love that so much. I'm really glad they made the Children's Aid Society. This one's weird as well. This advert here is for the Church of the Latter day Saints. And they, the whole advert is essentially, if you work with someone who's having a really shit day, order some food for them at the end of the day and everything will be okay. And it comes up with Latter-day, Latter-day Saints show. So some really bizarre adverts. Remember, your commentary challenge match is coming very, very shortly. I don't think we've got time for another question, alas. But Mark, I'm really sure you might win two points from the commentary challenge. But unfortunately, you have struck out on the questions i'm afraid so much. Which i think is uh an absolute liberty really um i was trying to i was trying to think if evil got in there what's that sorry uh, dan had eight minutes left of work that's how miserable she was on a friday yeah <laughs> on a friday she's that down yeah but she was given something that had to be done at the, at the weekend basically so i can kind of see oh, why that was uh well thing. so callum and Stu, who's going to do play by play and who's going to do do play uh, by play. I can, I can do a bit of that. Oh my god, play by it's play. It's on. Four people. Okay. It's on. So, uh, Stu, thanks for joining me. Um, I can't remember <laughs> any of the gentlemen's names in the ring. That's Ronnie Garvin long. with the towel. Oh, that's Ronnie Garvin. Okay, there we go. I mean, my, that's some trunks. They didn't really coordinate with their ring gear, did they? Because he's got dungarees and he's in trunks. I think he's got dungarees because of all the food he's eating to keep it all in. So. Topical for Christmas. Sizes yeah. Yeah. on uh, pro wrestling moments there. Here we go. Lock up. Okay. Fairly just working each other out. But hey, there's a push. Remember, this has got to be like radio style commentary because you've got to feel the feel the air. So the fact that I'm giving feedback might not be standing in good stead. <laughs> okay. Now, the bigger man is always going to win in this situation. So, Stu, what would you do? What, what would you advise as the ex-wrestler that you are? Well, I think he's. I think he's going to have to uh, go low. I think and, uh, and and try and keep the ground on the ground. Um, yes, speed. You don't want to trade speed blows. With, you don't want to trade blows with this big dude, especially with that guy. No, and probably being nestled up in his armpit there. It's probably not a, a comfortable thing for any man. <laughs> this is hard. It's hard, isn't it, gents? It's hard. I remember trying to do commentary on a match. <laughs> Boy, I did a solo watch along, and it's very, very difficult, isn't it? Well, Mark, I think two points are in the bag here, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to call my co-commentator a pervert. I, 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 I think we've been, I think we've been throwing an hard one here with a tag team match. Bearing in mind, we can't remember any of the four names of the wrestlers. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, 
Well, good, it's commentators, one... good, good commentators would have done their research. Uh, you've probably got about another probably like 45 <laughs> seconds to redeem this. To and even if, come up with. As, and this could be for the titles. Now, right <laughs> now, he's laying into the other chap. And look at that. Oh, that's the most action we've seen this whole two minutes next week, 15 uh... seconds into next week indeed and another slap and oh he's going for his okay no he's just 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 making sure he's a uh, non-dungarees are still kept up a tag in didn't do much because he's straight back into the action another flip and he's heading off to the ref what about that little dance showboating if anything showboating. it's not something you want to see is it's due showboating classic heel guy. stuff Oh, that's going to hurt. Oh, I felt that. <laughs> and here's the two. That's the three. And a thumbs up from the winner. Way well done, Mr. Beardman in the dungarees. Do you know what? I have to say, I, I, Stuart Mark, that wasn't great, was it? If I'm honest, from the pet, from the, I feel like both of you are the weak links in your team. I'm sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. It's totally difficult. Getting... <laughs> it is difficult. It's really difficult. Did either of you, did any, uh, Mark or Stuart, did either of you do the, um, commentary thing at Access when you were there at all? Yeah, I've still got two videotapes of the first one we went to, 2001, doing yeah. Foley and Undertake, Hell and Cell, and Cactus Jack, Triple H, um, uh, Royal Rumble Street Fight. How did you find it? Uh, it was me and, uh, you know, Maria, who we met on that trip. Oh, me yeah, and her do, did yeah. it, um, did the commentary together, and it was all right. I Well, in the Hell and the Cell one, to be honest, I'll have to dig it out and... and send it to you somehow. Um, I, I just literally, because I'd watched the match so many times, I did Hell in a Cell word for word what Jim Ross said. Oh, really? So okay. I, knew, wow. I knew exactly what he yeah. said, yeah. See, surely that's like, if you know who's in there, you know their moves, you know what they're called, you can, if you're commentating week in and week out, it's just practice. Everyone, yeah, it's, just, it's just instinct, isn't it? When you, instinct, when you yeah. Everyone like yeah. can talk about what they know about. With the, with the Triple H Cactus Jack one, though, I was trying to impress Maria and make a laugh, so I started talking about the bulging sack of drawing. <laughs> Where was that stuff tonight? Where was it tonight? that was a bag, a bag, bag bulge like that. Where was what? Where was that tonight, Mark? Where was the where was the, the I don't, banter, I don't, like yeah. Richard Keys banter? Well, it's. I like Dan as a friend, but I'm not trying to pull him like I was at WrestleMania. So. Fair enough. You know what? I'm going to do something a little bit controversial with that. And I'm really sorry, Mark and Stu. I know there was no prep time there, but I'm actually going to separate. I'm not going to give it to the pair. I'm going to give it to the two individuals because I think the two points should probably go to Callum and Dan there. So that's what I'm going to do. So the scores and the doors as it stands at the moment, we might have, we might end up with a tie break here. If Stu, you can get your last question uh, because that would be, I'm, I'm presuming that neither Callum or Dan will get theirs right. Um, okay, so and talking of Dan and whoever gets a question right, it's your question. Rick Flair in this promo on screen. Rick, <laughs> say that again. Sorry, Dan. I'm just going for the answer. <laughs> Be before we get onto this, Rick Flair in this promo said uh, 1988 about 1988. Is anyone? Does anyone else have an irrational hatred of people saying 2023? Sorry, 2000, what, when, when, oh God, I've lost it. And you blamed us for the commentary. Sorry, 2000, 2023, yeah, I, I wouldn't have won. That's why I didn't do it. I wouldn't have won the commentary. <laughs> 2023 on. rather than 2023. Does anyone hate that as much as I do? Anyone jump in? How do you feel oh. about that? Or do you call it, would you call it 2023? Would you call it 2023? Because I feel like it's time to move on. When we got to 2010, it's time to move on from 2010. What do you think, Stu? Yeah. 
it's 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 twenty it's twenty twenty three. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I must admit, I've never heard anybody say it's two thousand and twenty three. Mm. Maybe that's because it doesn't bother you, so it doesn't stick out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. What about what about on buses? What would you had you made? To say the bus, the, the number is 157. Would you call it the 157 or the 157? 157? It's, it's the 157. Yeah, 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 definitely. God, this has been a riveting few moments that I started really talking about numbers, <laughs> wasn't it? But for, the, so let... but for the 89 bus, you wouldn't call it the 89, would you? you call it the 89. Yeah, maybe the the, the the distinction is the... Oh, here's your favourite wrestler, Dan, Nikita Koloff. Um, My favourite Japanese wrestler. Yeah, yeah, crikey, with that promo <laughs> on Starcode, it was terrible. Uh, right, so it is Dan's question now. Um, oh, so we finished talking about buses. Oh. We have finished talking about buses. <laughs> but, but actually, you can sign up to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash mid-south moments, and all of us will have a half an hour podcast talking about our favourite bus journeys. Uh, right, um, All In 2018 was the biggest independent wrestling show, perhaps ever, I believe, um, Dan, can you name three of the six men in the main event? And there are no lives now. There are no lives at this stage in the game. 2018. So the all-in main event in 2018. Can you name three of the six men in the main event? Mark, can you do this? I think you yeah. probably can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. You can as well, Callum. Yeah. Unlucky you didn't get the question. I'm going to have a fair stab at it. Well, I know two of them. Go on, we'll name them. Well, the Bucks are in it, Matt and Nick. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Yep, that's correct. You're very close here, Dan, because if you get this, I think you might have been an unassailable lead. They weren't with Kenny. So they must have been with Abushi then. Is that your final answer? Shit, now, why have you paused? No, 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 no. No no reason for pause. I think Kenny had a singles match. I remember thinking he's trying to show off. I actually can't. Uh, yeah, yeah, he. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I think he had a singles match because I remember thinking, why is he not going with them? So I'll go with Abushi uh, and the Bucks. It was Abushi and the Bucks. That that could be crucial in tonight's proceedings. So it was. So do, do, uh, do I you could want to name say? the other guys. Go, yeah, go ahead. So they were facing Ray. Were they facing Phoenix? Ray Mysterio, but yeah, yeah. Phoenix and. Yeah. Oh, it must be Penta then, was it or not? No, no, because no, yeah, Penta fought Kenny. Kenny. He was for Kenny. Yeah, yeah, it was. He yeah, fought Kenny. Kenny. That was, yeah, yeah. Which was a great match. Um, I can't think of the third one then. Uh, uh, it was Bandido. Bandido. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that match went. Uh, had to had its time cut yes, because because of uh, Skrull of and Okada. Yeah, Marty Skull and uh, Marty. a name you don't hear on this podcast too much anymore. Um, no, I know Carter. Yeah. Um, swiftly moving on to uh, Callum, it's you actually. So, in the 2010s only, okay. how many how many times did Brock Lesnar hold a recognised world title in WWE? And again, I think these questions have been quite. I've got a feeling Stu would be all over this like a like a rat up a drain pipe. So would Mark. So I feel like the the the, the kind of distribution yeah. of the questions has been I'll a little honest, bit unfair. I think most people would have got at least two of my last one, maybe not. The two. Do you know what though, Dan? I'm not sure if you'd asked me that because I, when I looked this up, when I saw it, I remembered it, and I think I might have got the bucks, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure I'd have remembered it really. It was really not fresh in my mind at all. 
See, I, I, I know have, everything that's not it. non-WWE. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could probably name you the whole of that all-in 2018 card. <laughs> um, oh, I, just, I just got like six in my... Uh, six. Let's just go six. Recognised title range, right? Recognised world title, title range in the 2010s, yes. In only. the 2010s. So he returned, 2010s what, 2012, 2013 to fight Cena? Correct, yeah. That, just the night after WrestleMania, was that 2012? So he's had eight years... And I'm pretty sure he held the belt for like long periods of time. Why do I want to say six? I'm going to go six times. It was two WWE championships. And anyone want to guess how many Universal? Anyone want to throw a little number out for me? Was it four? Was it Was it three? Was it five? Who knows? Oh, what what was know. it? Three, it was uh, three, I'd go. It was three, so the answer's five. So you're one oh, out, Callum. I was right. one out. Okay. Well, yeah. my logic was kind of there. Okay. Yeah, one out. Um, right. That takes us on Do I get Callum's point? You don't, afraid. No passes, I'm afraid. <laughs> okay. No passes. But it is your question. You had your chance at the commentary. <laughs> so it is your chance here to finish joint. I think Dan's one, actually. So congratulations. Um, it is your chance to finish joint second, no, Stu. What are them t shirts going for on eBay? <laughs> uh, well, I don't think there's anyone. I've sold about one, probably to myself. Um, CM, okay, here you go, Stu. CM Punk returned to wrestling in 2021. During his return, this is a multiple choice actually. During his run oh, in okay. AEW, how many singles matches did he compete in? So was it A, 17, B, 22, C, 25, or D, 27? Just read them again. So 17. A seventeen, B twenty two, C twenty five, or D twenty seven. God, uh, it's just a complete. It's a complete guess. I don't think it was that many, so I'm going to go low. I'm going to say seventeen. It was twenty five. So I didn't want to play. I, I didn't. Well, I didn't want to play anyway because I was just gonna win. <laughs> so I was just yeah. <laughs> so all of that, all of that trouble for twenty-five singles matches, and he had eight multi-person matches. So thirty-three. All of that run was thirty-three matches. Wow. Um, so that's uh, yeah, quite an interesting stuff. So that that is it for the quiz. That is absolutely it. And Dan, you have been crowned the guest host ultimate king. So how do you feel about that? That illustrious honor. Ecstatic. It makes it worth. It makes it worth being dressed like a Wally, really does. Yeah. And like I, I will. I really want to give a special mention to my co-commentator, uh, the right. pervert. The pervert that is Mark. The ying to my yang. Who, <laughs> without him, this would be this would be nothing. So, yeah, so what? I, I'd agree with that. Yeah, no, I absolutely. I, I, I do feel a bit of bad, Mark and Shu, because we, we did, I did sort of throw you under the bus a little bit there. Shove it up so, yeah, he could, what, he, what, could what, buy, he could buy us all the top, couldn't he? Really? But, I, well, yeah, I'm not going to do that, but yeah, but I do, I do appreciate your way. Now, for some for some reason, because I just didn't think it was, it would, I thought it would take a lot longer. We've still got 20 minutes left in the show, so what we're going to do now is we're going to just do a little bit of kind of final thoughts because this is. 
This is really the end. You so never answered the... why you watched the 24 hours on a bus. You just went into Oh, yeah, golf. sorry. Let's do that before we do it. So I'm obsessed with both golf vlogs and also travel vlogs. I really like travel vlogs. So there's this guy, Noel Phillips, who does awful stuff like this. So he, I've just watched one with him and he did a greyhound from New York to Los Angeles. And it was oh, like wow. absolutely dreadful. He like rode the bus after. The what's that? Sorry. I said he rode the bus after. I don't even get he that. He a greyhound. <laughs> It's, are you talking about some sort of like Tony Khan related type yeah, thing there? Time. Yeah, well, allegedly. Um, yeah, so it was it, like all the, all of the Greyhound staff were like, it's just like the worst customer service of all time. It was absolutely shocking. So yeah, it was a really good, it was a really good video. So I would recommend that. And there's another one called Trek Trendy and he just, he flies like first class everywhere. So things that I'll never, wow. never be able yeah. to do, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so we've, we've got a little bit of time to fill at the end here. And to be honest, I might, I might just skip, depending on how long the next bit takes, I might just skip forward to, the kind of end um, because there is an interesting, I want to play out the last thing that's on uh, UWF television. Um, but yeah, we're getting towards the end now. So I'm going to give you, a, you each a little opportunity to say a few, I mean, say some nice things about me, but say, say some, some things that you've enjoyed about being on the podcast. Say some things you've not enjoyed about being on the podcast, perhaps watching wrestling. You've got no interest in was one of the things you didn't enjoy. But so Callum, why don't you go first? Oh. So give me some final thoughts on, you know, yeah. your your contributions. And I appreciate your contributions to the podcast over the last couple of years. Thank you so much, Stephen. Um, yeah, it's been it's been real interesting. I I am a fan of the tens or late two thousands tens wrestling. That's kind of my genre. I was too young for Attitude Era and stuff like that. And so even going further back has been a real education and quite interesting watching all of these names that would be in Hall of Fame ceremonies or people would talk about them glowingly or sometimes not so glowingly. Um, it's just been really fun to see them in their prime. And thank you to you, Stephen. We we met randomly at a, a wrestling show in Japan. We didn't and... actually, did we? If you tell the truth, we met in TGI Fridays. <laughs> we met twice in TGI Fridays. <laughs> we back had to back lunches at Fridays in, in Tokyo. Okay, yeah. I did, well, yeah, I'm, I'm told on the pod before, but like we were we were at a podcast meetup, not a podcast that we were contributors to, just listeners to. And I think we were sat next to each other or we arrived early or something like that. And so we just got chatting. Charlotte was there as well. And then the next day, we both sheepishly found ourselves back in the TGI Fridays. I was hoping that no one would see me go in there. Being in Japan, being in Tokyo, one of the greatest cities on the planet, filled with every restaurant uh, that you could ever think about. And where do I go back to? TGI Fridays. Because, <laughs> and so would you, because basically we just need to line our stomachs before the Tokyo Dome event started. And a simple, and we, like a, something simple that you could just order yeah. without like a lot of difficulty, basically. Yeah, and you knew it was going to settle. You knew you yeah. were going to be fine because you are going to be sitting in your chair for another five, six hours or whatever it was. So um, I had my ticket for the second night. I know Charlotte wasn't going. So you said, hey, do you want to come sit next to me and experience it? Because I was on the complete other side of the dome. Yeah. So I came with you and we were with the, uh, uh, with the locals and still, when Naito um, won the title, well, that that just last match was just so incredible. And I jumped out of my seat for, for when Naito won. Um, and then it was a complete year. Or maybe it was just thinking about that first Rev Pro show back in January when I, went, when I met Dan as well. Um, Unlucky, unfortunately. Was, um, 
<laughs> um, no, it was a really good night, wasn't it, Dan? Like we got to it meet was... each other for the first time. We got absolutely. We met each other um, for the first time, and I'm pretty sure you ended up back at my house watching. <laughs> what did it we was, watch? Uh, Royal, wasn't it Royal, Royal Rumble? Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> And though I think like you crashed out and went to bed, so I was just in basically a stranger's front room at like three a.m. <laughs> drinking a whiskey that you poured for me. <laughs> yeah, um, that's exactly how it happened. Yeah, and then that was like, after that event. That was uh, Stephen said, "Hey, do you want to join the pod? Um, be a guest co-host." Um, and I've done it sporadically over the I guess the last two years, and it's been really good fun it's been really good fun watching stuff that i probably would never go out of my way or do on my own to watch but i've enjoyed every single minute of it and um yeah that's all i can say so thank you Stephen. thank you for everyone else um that's also contributed and i've been a listener to um it's been a real fun ride and hey all good things must come to an end right Absolutely. Sorry about that. I've, I've had a gin and tonic and half a beer and it's gone straight through me because I've got the bladder of a 95-year-old. Um, would anyone like to go next? Who would like to put their hands up to go next? Otherwise, I'm going to volunteer someone to go next. I'll go last. Oh, really? You're the main event, are you, Dan? Are you, are you volunteered for that? All right. Well, Mark or Stu, who would like to go? Well, I'll, I'll be the card filler before we get to the two main events. So <laughs> I think it's only fair uh, uh, that, that, uh, that Mark and Dan and go go after me so uh, uh yeah i i've um yeah i've had a i've had a great time doing the podcast and um it's it's opened my eyes to a whole uh, a whole um brand of wrestling that i probably wouldn't have not watched off off my own back so um I, c- I can only say thank you for that um you you've got a an amazing skill at making people feel relaxed and welcome and and able to talk freely which is which is great because it's always a bit um i was always i was really nervous when i did the first podcast and um yeah and um but you you just made it feel great and it is just like we're all just mates just having a chat you know absolutely yeah but it's uh it's it's uh it's been great so just just a huge thank you really for me um uh, uh the, the podcasts i have listened to that i haven't been involved in have been equally as as entertaining and stuff like that and i hope um I hope all the listeners have enjoyed our contributions and um yeah I'm just uh yeah I'm just grateful mate and uh and and I know the time and effort that you have to put into not only doing the podcast but all the all the formatting and all the whatever you need to do to get them ready to go live so it's editing uh, out it's, all of Dan's comments that's that are the getting one cancelled yeah. is the problem yeah <laughs> um so yeah so just just a huge thank you and and it's been um I know this is the first one that I've uh, I've done with Callum, but but um, with Mark and and Dan, it's been uh, it's been great. And obviously, me, me, you and Mark go back more years than I I I want to remember now. Really, yep. so it's uh, it's uh, it's quite a long time. So and um, yeah, and and long may it continue in the future as well. So so it's a big thank you for me. Thank you, Stu. Lovely stuff. I wonder, as Dan screens off, whether we're going to get some sort of horrific final act from Dan here that we none of us want. Um, yeah, Mark, over to you. After the way you stitched me up with this quiz tonight, <laughs> it no was a chance. random. You saw the random generator. All right, it's, all right. Uh, you know what can I say? What can I say? Uh, by the that... way, I actually had I, I got the idea for this after watching it the other night. In, uh, other night, and I was writing this out. And I never handwrite anything, and I wrote it out. And I, in, while I was in bed, while Charlotte was filling around, she walked in and she said, 
it looks like you're writing your memoirs. You've never <laughs> looked older or less attractive. So like, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm <laughs> writing by in pencil on this pad. Sorry, Mark. Back over to you. Uh, yeah. So I'm not going to put you over at all because no. So I'd rather focus on uh, the while I've been watching Mid South. Thanks to you, admittedly, starting this podcast that because I add me to the list of people who probably wouldn't have. I am interested in the old territory days, but I probably wouldn't have gone back to watch this territory mm. had it not been for this podcast. Uh, I was going to uh, just mention about some of the highlights I've watched over the years we've been doing it. I mean, um, the the my favourite match was probably that uh, Ric Flair, Ted DiBiase classic, which, the, all right, I will put you over a little bit. For you to be able to get uh, Cowboy Bill Watts on your podcast about Cowboy Bill Watts' wrestling, promotion i thought that was i come when you when you sent a message saying that was happening in fact right up until you recorded it you weren't entirely sure you said i think i might have a have something going on uh that was fantastic so yeah that says it all about what a professional uh thing you've put together the fact that cowboy and and eric obviously who, who put your name forward obviously thinks of this podcast but um, yeah, that was a classic match. I enjoyed seeing the old at uh, the Irish McNeil in the early days. Uh, Jim Cornette got, getting his face put into the birthday cake, things like that. Was some yeah. really incredible stuff. Um, Ted DiBiase, I've said on the podcast a few times. He was when I first got into wrestling in 1991. He was my favorite bad guy. I loved the Million Dollar Man character. So to see him in his earlier days as both a babyface and heel on this show was great as well. Seeing him on a weekly show before the Million Dollar Man gimmick came along. So it's been really good. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a nice way to uh, to spend time with my mates talking about wrestling because we all live in different parts of the country. We don't get to do it as often as I'd like. So um, whenever you you send the group text saying, lads, uh, I want you to come on the podcast, it's always always good for us all. There's uh, Ernest on the screen now. I like Ernest. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks for... Uh, for the opportunity, Stephen, and um, and I've really enjoyed it. And I've uh, met some of your friends who are now mutual friends, such as Dan and Callum. And um, nice to hear back from Lewis because I haven't seen him for a lot of years. And obviously, you got him on the podcast, and uh, yeah, nice so. And are yeah, you really three gonna have FOMO and end up going to All In next year? Because Lewis, I mean, I know Lewis is the big draw, but we, we, we me, Dan. Uh, who else is coming? Lewis and your cousin Ben are going, aren't they? So, will we possibly see you uh, in London next year? I can't it depends say. Depends on I'll, the car, doesn't it? I'll be looking out for WWE announcing another UK date. I'll be yeah, there. I don't think we're going to get that next year, but I think we will 2025 for sure. Maybe WrestleMania, and that's that's the biggie, isn't it? Really, but I yeah. think that'll be tough to get. Yeah, yeah. we'll get tickets. Yeah. Expensive, and it'll be tough to get them. Um, yeah. Any anything else, Mark? Before we move on to the Ultimate Warrior? No, I have nothing else to say. Thank you, uh, Dan. Right, <clears throat> I thought I'd go last. So, obviously, we knew each other through Fulham. Never really spoke about wrestling. And then I heard you appearing, doing little miniature, little miniature, what they call them, vignettes, little clips on another, was it another podcast? or Yes, right yeah. Start? You would do, what, five five minutes, ten minutes? It was the first podcast with five, five minutes of wrestling, five count. And the guy now is quite funny. The guy, Steve Fall, who I did it for first... It's got quite a big following. It gets like interviews of all like loads of WWE people. I think he's 
think he was a producer for NBC or something. Yeah, and I, he's obviously got money and has just done this full time. So it's, yeah, it's quite interesting how that's all unraveled. Really, I wish you'd taken him, taken me with him. Really, there we go. <laughs> so I'm listening, listening to that, and I'll tell you why I listen to that. If I'm honest, was so I could take the piss out of you on a Saturday. <laughs> um, and I did take the piss out of you on a Saturday at Fulham. And you, rightly so, challenged me and went, all right then, funny boy, come on the podcast, see how funny you are. <laughs> so I did come on it. And after 63 shows, I was obviously funny enough. Yeah, um, is that what the number is? Okay, great, yeah. yeah whatever. Uh, next. Um, so <laughs> but what it did is it got me watching wrestling again, right? But really weirdly, it got me watching wrestling from the 80s. Um, mm. Not again, for the first time, having been born in 87. Um, and sure. also, when I would talk to people about wrestling then I could then be quite condescending to be like, well, you do know, you do know who started that, yeah? Okay, okay, you, you're new, yeah, you, you, okay. I thought you liked wrestling. You don't know about myself. You don't know wrestling, mate, right? <laughs> and it got me, and it got me back into it. And um, I started watching again. And then obviously lockdown hit. Um, and, you know, lockdown was great. It's where, you know, well, I say lockdown was great. Lockdown was great for watching. People died though. Actually, yeah, this is a problem yeah. when we romanticise it, but I, I I feel the same. And if we're, yeah, yeah. you never had more time in your life than that time. So, but it was challenging, obviously, for lots of people. We're really, really sorry. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Lockdown was horrific, and I won't watch anything with lockdown on it. And from a personal perspective, I uh, during lockdown, uh, I went through pretty pretty difficult times, and uh, the podcast was there. And I suppose you know, I know Phil's going to top Trump here, but. Um, I went through pretty difficult times. I was in one life. And by the end of lockdown, I was in a completely different life. Um, well, just after it. And um, But the one thing I looked forward to was the podcast, particularly during lockdown. And uh, when I come out of lockdown, uh, my new partner knew, ironically, knew what the podcast meant to me. And if I went, I'm doing a podcast on Thursday or Wednesday or Tuesday night, that was a non-negotiable. That was you are doing that because since I've met you and the shit you've been through, that is the one thing that makes you happy that I can see. So it carried on. And through that and lockdown lifting, I started going to live shows, which I hadn't been to before. And I met young Callum, who's discussed how he ended up round the house with my new partner, why me and her fell asleep, why he stayed in a stranger's house watching Royal Rumble. <laughs> it then let me... It then led me to have a tip. Uh, people have a bucket list, and weirdly, on my bucket list, my bucket list included meeting Stuart and meeting Mark on my bucket list. And uh, through two events, I was able to meet both of these individuals, um, and realised, wow, fucking hell! Do you know what? Oh god, they here both- we go. <laughs> no, I did say know. see you in tea on the one that we did earlier on, didn't I? So you know, no, it is what it is. No, yeah. I, I assume they weren't calling me that, but. But it was a case of, do you know what? These individuals, they properly, and I'm on this podcast. I, I, I sit on the podcast and talk about what the crowd are up to. I don't talk about the wrestling, right? I love listening to their podcast because I'm here, I'm learning, I'm listening. I'm, um, and meeting them in the flesh, I, I just like listening to you guys about it all. Um, and I wasn't worried about, you know, meeting them. I was thinking, Jesus, what are they going to think of this, Wally? I mean, I'm sitting here dressed as the old warrior on the podcast. But... Um, I met these guys and it was great. And and then through that also, I've now I speak to Phil and I speak to Terry and I speak to people that and I learn stuff uh, that I didn't know before. Um, and if I'm honest with you, you know, when this podcast goes, 
you know, I ain't going to listen to the random wrestling podcast, mate. Because to be honest, I don't want to listen to anyone else talking to you about things. <laughs> I like, I, I, like, like, like the guys where I've met there are lovely, but it's not for me, mate. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not this group. It's not this group of people, and um, and it's just it's just not the same. Um, so I guess for me, you know, I guess from my perspective, being your mate, when you got and Mark alluded to it. When you got Bill Watts to come on and talk about his own promotion, mate, I appreciate you've set something up and you've got the main man coming on to talk to you about his own promotion. I'm sorry, that is, that's something else, right? There is so many, you know, WWE podcasts. They would, they would, they would brick themselves if Vince McMahon come on to talk to them about it. Yeah. They would, people would brick themselves if, Jimmy Crockett or whoever, yeah, it doesn't matter. Probably, but physical. especially now as he's dead. Yeah, very but, yeah. but, but that you've would, got that would be, be scared. You've got a bloke to come on his podcast. In he lives in America. Your 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 little bloke lives in like the sort of like <laughs> in, in London somewhere. He's probably like, who is this fella? He come on. I was so. Do you know what? I was so proud of you, mate. And um, oh, thank you. What you've done for me, for what you've done to. Everyone in here in this podcast, there'll be people out there listening. Phil got to say his thing the other day. Terry got to say that. We've all got to say that. Um, I'm really proud of you, mate. And I just want to say thank you very much. Thank you very much. Wow. And you know what, Dan? That was incredible. And you've almost got the exact point I needed you to in terms of the in terms of the the, the very last bits. So we've got the Nassau Coliseum, groups of fifty or more, or f- groups of forty or more. And perhaps it's at the final promo cut on UWF television ever, 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 ever was cut by Jim Cornette, who was a huge part of the promotion in 1974 and the Midnight Express. Let's listen in to the last thing that ever aired on UWF television. Yeah, 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 Jim, yeah, uh, yeah. I just want everybody to take a look, first of all, at Big Bubba Rogers, the baddest man in the world. Six feet eight, 357 pounds, mad, bad, and dangerous to know. The king of the bunkhouse stampedes, the bull of the woods, if you will, Dusty Rhodes. Because let me tell you something, Rhodes, like I said before, your time is coming. Big Bubba's the man for the Midnight Express squad and those stampedes. He's bringing home a whole lot of money, and he's hurting people and he don't mind doing either and then you got the united states tag team champions the midnight express each individually and together the greatest professional wrestlers in the world today brother and me who just happens to be the most brilliant human being ever to stand on the face of this planet and talk to you people through the airwaves Dusty Rhodes, I know this, and I'm going to say it short and sweet. Your time is coming. 16 years, your knees are broke down, your back's hurt. Muhammad Ali thought he was the greatest, too, for about two or three fights longer than he really was. His brain's turned to cottage cheese. He talks like an eggplant. And Dusty Rhodes, Slightly after 16 years, the same thing has happened to you. Now is the time you can be taken. One of my men's going to take you. And, brother, that's going to make me the biggest thing ever in this business. Fans, for Jim Ross, I'm Bob Connell. And just like that, it's over. No more UWF television. And I'm sure this was a sad moment in 1987 for a few million viewers. And now a few million listeners of this show, obviously. Though, as you're about to see in a second, if we get there, those watching on WPIX in New York on Boxing Day in 1987 did get the gorgeous ladies of wrestling next, So, which, which I'm sure was an excellent, excellent show. Uh, and before we get on out of there, out of here, I want to thank all of you very, very much for all your efforts. You know, some of the most prolific uh, guest hosts, incredible stuff, 
And I, I thank you for the efforts because I think what we all probably understand quite a bit more having been listening to podcasts over the years is how much work goes into this stuff behind the scenes in terms of just it, just guesting on one, in terms of watching it, all the note taking, working out the time. So I appreciate it so much. It's been amazing doing all this stuff with you. It's been just, just phenomenal. Um, I never thought that this would go on for four years when I first started it. Um, and as Kurt Cobain said this is a bit dark it's better to burn out than fade away and after 211 shows i am feeling a little bit burnt out but nonetheless really proud of what we've all achieved collectively particularly in bringing mid-south wrestling to a whole new group of eyeballs some 37 years after the promotion proper finished and my retirement will only be a semi one insert joke here is anyone devastated by the end of this podcast i'm sorry to say it dan because i know you i know you it's not the same but i will be on the random wrestling review going forward on a sporadic basis uh, but thank you all very, very much for listening over the last four years. Thank you to every guest host that we've had, apart from the one who questioned whether Chris Benoit was guilty or not. I don't oh, thank yeah, you I at all. Yeah. yeah, I don't <laughs> thank you at all. I'm definitely Jesus. not thanking you for that. I, everyone else, I couldn't have done it without you. In closing, from Pro Wrestling Moments, I'm sure we'll meet again. Don't know where, don't know when, but I'm sure we'll meet again some sunny day meet again don't know where don't know when but i know we'll meet again some sunny day keep smiling through just like you Always do Till the blue skies Drive the dark clouds Far away So will you please say hello To the folks that I know Tell them I won't be long They'll be happy to know That as you saw me go I was singing this song We meet again Don't know where Don't know where